search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Welcome, League of Legends enthusiast, League of Legends. Oh, I don't know what to describe it. We just love League of Legends here to episode number 60 of the Broken by Concept podcast. Diving straight in, Curtis. Progression. Progression. That's the title of this podcast. Broken by Concept, episode number 60, Progression. What does it look like in League of Legends? How do we progress? How do we know if we're progressing? How do we know going backwards, forwards, upwards, sideways? Should we play new champions? I'll be sick of this champion because we're having no progression. Do I hate this champion? Every single thing in League of Legends progression is in this episode. It's a lot. A lot to unpack here So where this spawned... So we were going to talk about this originally last week. Yep. But then we got sidetracked by Curtis's topics. Yep. Um, Lucas, his name, in Soul 2. He got Platinum 1. Then he dropped 250 LP... And he was defeated because he worked so hard. So, th- so this, this is the way it works as well, right? So in League of Legends, you can like climb like really hard. It's like slow progression. And then you can lose it like that. So quick. So my question is, okay. And this is super interesting because I think that that is progression. Even if you like tilt and stuff down, because it's sort of like an experience you have to have. Like, so this, this, this is what I was thinking. So like, cause I'm thinking about me last season, right? All the bullshit that I went through, like all the mental blocks I had to get over because I was stuck in Diamond and, you know, I was going, I got to like Diamond 1. I mean, at the end of the day, this was my journey last season. I played, I started playing like really like, you know, I wasn't playing that many games, but I was playing high intensity games. I got to like 100 LP. This would have been in February or March of last year. And then I went, you know, then I was like struggling. I went down to Diamond 2 and then I had a huge identity crisis. Then I was in D4 and like Platinum 1 games for like a long time. Then I was like playing on Smurfs and like making my Eve guide room. That was just a shit show. But that was such an important experience. Like, I mean, obviously I think everyone has their own version of it. But now I just know all the bullshit that I told myself then. That that's a great learning. Like that's progression in my eyes. Okay. As well. So... um, when Lucas told me that, um, like this is actually just me being thinking about our next, I, I've had this conversation, he'll be watching this podcast, right? And I was like, you know, what does progression mean in League of Legends? Like, at the end of the day, no, you can't tell me anyone's climb. Like, you know how we talk about the three block process and that sort of stuff has just been da 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 da, we climb, you know, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Like, that's not realistic, is it? Well, okay, let's, I want to rewind a little bit to a few things you said there before we, kind of go down this rabbit hole um diving in the bbc rabbit hole so we you know you're touching on on a little bit about progression but again what are we progressing so that's in yeah so that's i guess the lp that's and that's another whole topic is like what does lp mean well i think it's i think we can simplify it to to let's let's i'm gonna break it into two parts we're gonna have the in-game raw ability yep this is everything to do with in-game ability. Yep. And then we're going to have the out-of-game mental side of things. So yep. I believe you progress in two areas. I like it. Now, what's interesting is that as you get better at the game, sometimes based off your uh, your view of the game, your relationship with the game, you can degress. You can go backwards on the mental side of the game. 
And the analogy that like comes to mind is, um, okay, let's, let's put it like this. Let's say um, you're a father, father of two, you got a wife and kids, um, and you, you kind of, you start off pretty small in your job, um, you earn a reasonable amount of money, uh, like average wage, and then, you know, you, you got the pressure of trying to provide for a family of two, and as you earn more money, you know, the expectation of the quality of life from your family probably gets risen a little bit, your wife probably expects more of this, less of that, whatever, the kids, better education, better quality food, more activities as a family, traveling, etc., so, you know, you're going to get promoted at your job, earn a little bit more money, but the pressure to maintain that and the pressure and the responsibilities that come with getting a pay rise and having a better quality job take a toll on the mental side of you. Because you're thinking, you're probably thinking to yourself, holy shit, if I lose this job or if I mess up or if I get, you know, whatever happens, or if, if there's backwards. a financial crisis and we go backwards, we're now, we're now coming from such a high standard mm. downwards. So in a way, as he earned more money, the pressure was rising and the toll mentally was um, also kind of rising. Um, and when I think about... So you're sort of saying that like, if you're, he has nothing to lose when he's... I mean, I guess if you say... Well, the point of the analogy, Nathan, was to say simply just because if you look at it at a surface level in one area, progression in terms of just straight career... Career... In, and tying back to the league analogy, mm. that would just be level of play. Yeah, cool. We can look at that on the surface level. He could be improving. Mm. But because of external factors and the mental side of things in league, or in this exa- in this analogy, the, the mental stresses in relation to his family and the you know the responsibilities involved with that, um, it could lead to a disaster. It could lead to a disaster. Could lead to him. Um, alcoholism, wanting to escape on weekends, not spend time with his family, the pressure's adding up, start smoking, whatever it is. So what, just because you get better at the game doesn't necessarily mean you have a better relationship with the game. And it doesn't necessarily mean the mental side of the outer game aspects also kind of improve alongside it. So I think it's important we, distin- we, we, we make a distinction between improving and progression within in-game ability and out-of-game Which is like ability. hidden. Like that's... Well, that's that's intangible. You can't yeah, really put intangible. you can't really put anything on that. You can't. No. So what I want before, and like I think, wait, the way but, we t- wait. But do you think that the mental side of things, I that that's involved in your LP, don't you think, or not really? It, no, I don't think so. I think in certain elements, yes. So let's get more specific here. Okay, it depends on what your issue is in the out of game. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna use an example. And we'll, maybe this will tie together with Luca potentially. I've Lucas. got I've got is it Lucas? Yeah, Lucas. I've got Kova in my Midland Academy, and um, he was and initially I think he was initially like a diamond mid laner, but had a very poor relationship with the game. Had to relearn the game. He went dropped all the way back down, and then slowly through process, getting into the reviews, fixing up his level of play, became a much better player, and then got to master. He actually got to master. He made it. Yes, he That's was huge. stoked. He was yeah. the happiest. He said he's. It was amazing. One That's of the best experiences. Achievement. Yeah. And I was on his stream when he got master. He was love and life. Yeah. And inevitably, he dropped back down. Right, straight back to D two. Got right? it. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, and and you know, we had a chat, you know, recently, and, and he was talking about how he views, in a way, the mental side of the game as like a skill that you develop. 
as well. Just like we have in-game, we have out-of-game, the skill that you develop. And he was saying that in a way, yes, he improved a lot as a player, but throughout his journey, he was only putting Band-Aid fixes on the mental side of the game. He wasn't really building a foundation and and setting him up setting himself up for success in the long run Give mentally. Us an example. And I, okay, this is why I believe this is my hypothesis with Kokov. Okay. Remember back in, you know, 2017-2018 with Jono, one of the big things he he preached was your response to situations, right? It's not about how you it's not about how you rock up, it's about how you respond. And that's what life is all about. It's about responding to situations, right? Responding. There's always problems. Problems, and it's how you respond to those problems and those challenges, which, you know, I guess determines what sort of um, person you're going to be, as well as um, the result you're going to get. Yeah. So with Kova, I believe the way he was responding to his losses was actually pretty good. But the way he was responding to his wins was not good. Got it. So in league... You're going to win a lot and you're going to lose a lot. Mm. Now, it's like, you know, we talk a lot about getting into the review, pinpointing mistakes, getting into those details. And just through, I guess, our messages and everything that we've said, it's very obvious that you've got to review your losses, right? Um, and we talk about the response that you should have. Okay, let's get into the review. Let's identify how I contributed to this situation. Let's let's set some learning objectives. Let's identify what our thought processes was in this game, etc. But we also, in a way, in, in, sorry, in the process of doing this review in our loss, we kind of humble ourselves in a way, right? We're like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. This is why this happened. I contributed to this in this way. I always say you, that you tie it up as a neat little knot and then you like yep. put it on your shelf. Yep, you kind of allocate it to, <laughs> that's that sort of game, that's, that's that, that sort of game, game right. right. Now, when it comes to wins, you've actually got to do the exact same thing. You got to look at it and be like, okay, this is how I contributed to this win. This is why we won. And this is the skill that kind of got me this. I had a great laning phase, which allowed me to get pressure and back on my jungler, which turned into this double scuttle, shut down the enemy jungler, or whether it was, you know, I shoved and identified the secondary win con. Boom, you won the I game. I played to my champ identity really well. Great. I took the right fights. Great. I knew when to concede objectives. Important. That's, that's like you could So you like can like, again, tie that up it. neatly and categorize that. Yeah. Now, um, that is important, not from a learning, yes, the learning is a perspective and we want to learn how to replicate getting leads and winning, but also from a mental perspective, because what actually happens is that if you were to simply only review losses and then when you win, you're like, yes, I get the LP, let's just go into the next game. Over time, you're training yourself to, again, inherently, in a way, focus on the LP and you're not truly embracing the process. Yeah, that approach is you can't only yeah. you can't only review quote unquote review losses because and be like, I'm process oriented because I review losses. No, <laughs> how do you review? How do you look at your wins? Yeah, because I review my wins more than I review Me too. my I losses. I spend more time. I spend way more time on my wins mm. than my losses. And it's not about if you win or lose. It's about how the hell did you win this game? So for me personally, in my solo queue games, if I win a game on you know my main my main account. I can. I sometimes am even more pissed when I win a game because of how disgusting I played in a game, or I didn't. I wasn't as impactful as I should have been. I got carried in a way that is more important to me. Now, in the process of equally weighing my wins versus my losses, I am well and truly process oriented. I'm not really concerned about the LP. Now, yes, I'm not going to lie and say I don't enjoy the LP. I lo the LP is part of it. That's what I, I embrace. That, but it's secondary to my 
through my performance and my my behavior in the game. Now, what was happening with Kova, I believe, is that, again, he's getting into the review in losses, and whenever wins happens, he's he's like, oh, cool, win, great, LP. So he's never truly all-inning on the process. And then what happens, uh, finally, when he gets to Master Tier, it's like this huge sense of elation. Woohoo, yes, I get my promos, I did it. And you've just kind of, you've just lost his way. Mm-hmm. Because you can't half-ass it. You're, you, at some point, you're going to get exposed. At some point, your process, your lack of process will get exposed. Other people, some people might be deep into GM, Challenger. Other people, Diamond. Other people, Platinum. It's, it just depends on your raw level of play. Um, he got exposed. Now, I believe when you started talking about Lucas, I think a very similar thing has happened in the sense that he does not have a good relationship with his wins and losses. And his response to his wins and losses is now catching up to him. He's focused too much on the rank. Hence why when someone gets to X rank, they, they high plat, oh my God, I'm so close to diamond or, you know, oh, holy <laughs> shit, I'm so close to master. Or pro- yeah. The fact that promos are even spoken about yeah. as like a thing. I hate promos. You know, it's really like, I just I just check out mentally because I don't know what that means. Mm. It's just like... You're playing another game of League of Legends. You're playing another game of League of Legends. Yeah, cool. You can give yourself a pat on the back for getting that new rank. Great. But you can't overemphasize it. And that's what Jono said. It's how you respond to your, not just your losses, but how do you respond to your win, which dictate the sort of behavior and dictate the sort of response you're going to have over time in the long run. How does that, re- does this resonate at all to you and, and, and Lucas and his, like what's his relationship like with solo Q and, and when he wins and loses? Like, is he tr- well and truly process oriented? Um... I, he's recently joined so he got there to plat one i think before he joined and then he dropped 250 and then he joined right right right, right. You know, usually people join our programs when they're just lost right yeah <laughs> we, we get the that's okay just you know they're like please help me yeah yeah <laughs> so um uh a big thing with him is that he just doesn't think he, I've, I've he struggles to just thinking yeah game, especially in fights okay and we went over a um a game actually today um, and it got me thinking about, cause I was trying to explain fights, right? Cause you see, he can't think in fights. He tries, but he can't. No, but you, I don't think you should think in fights. So, um, I wrote it down. This what is a whole another ball game though. This, this is, is a whole ball game. Probably <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go sidetrack. Yeah. Now. We're going to go a bit sideways here for a bit. Um, anticipation versus reaction. Okay. So if you were to if, if you were to think about your fight the way you fight in the game, mm. put a percentage. How much is are your fights anticipation, like visualizing how it's going to play out, or is it actual reactions? Okay, so I do. I talk about this all the time. Okay, this is what mid lane's all about. Okay, okay. So the, the beauty with mid lane is we can improve upon this skill much easier than yeah, jungle, we just right? Only a couple of fights because so, we fight all the time. Yeah. So I'm going to use an example that I spoke about uh, this morning. Um, yeah, what am I talking about? Lane, this is everything. Yeah, lane it? is everything. So this, 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 is, this is a new concept for John. Well, this is what... Because LS actually said something that I totally agree with. And um, this ties into this perfectly. You sent me a clip and it was LS talking about how um, laning is... That is the crux of the game. Like laning is the game. Laning is League of Legends. And that is the that is the foundation of where everything... That's where all your skills are developed. Even for a jungler. Like, Even like for a jungler, lane, in is, a way. Because you are... You're part of the lanes when yeah, you're jungling. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And what he said was, it doesn't make sense, and I totally agree, it doesn't make sense for someone to be bad at... Uh, sorry, good at laning, but bad at skirmishing. 
and team fighting. It doesn't really make sense because if you were good at laning, in, and he said, yes, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And it is more, more complicated than that because it depends on how you're bad at laning and how you're good at laning. But if one is tr- well and truly a good laner by fundamentals and by micro standing po- and from a micro standpoint, they cannot be bad at skirmishing. Because they- they're really good at anticipating. Okay, so this is the way it works. Um, Silas and Fizz, they're beautiful examples. With Silas and the way E, you have your E... You have your E1 and E2. Mm. Now, in certain matchups, you can use your E very proactively. You can just kind of... You don't have to wait for jack shit. You can just go in. Just go in. Other matchups, you have to kind of use it reactively. You have to hold it. And you can't just like E onto a LeBlanc. You can't just E onto a Zed. You can't E onto a Fizz because you need to wait for them to use abilities and use it to avoid their damage. Because if you think about it from like just the raw, raw fundamental level in terms of any ability usage, you want to get the maximum out of the ability itself. So if you take take Silas's E, for example, it's an incredibly loaded ability. It has damage, gap closing, CC, um, and it can be used to dodge skill shots. It can be used in many, many, many ways. We get it, Curtis. So, so he's broken. Yeah, it is broken. <laughs> so in order to get max value from the ability, you yeah. need to use it rather than just straight damage. You need to dodge an ability. You need to somehow utilize the the mobility of the kit to get an advantage. So he was versing a Zed. He just eat in. Now, you can look at this, and, and the reason this is so important... Right, he was versing a Zed and yeah. Silas eat in. Yeah, he just eat in randomly yeah. when the Zed yeah. had everything. Yeah. And I said to him, this doesn't really work because in these matchups against these champions that have mobility, you can't use your E uh, proactively, you got to use it reactively in order to avoid their damage. So ZW does a combo onto you, use E to the side, then you go in. Now this ties to skirmishing perfectly because he's never gonna. So when he's heading into a skirmish, he's already going to be factoring that in because it's the same concepts over and over and over again. You don't just E onto a person with gap closes as Silas because you just leave yourself exposed. That you can't land E two. Then you get kited, you can't land your W, and your champion's useless. So you're either going to be reacting, waiting for the right moment until they use their gap closer, or you're not going to be using it whatsoever. Or they have nothing, and then you just go in, right? So um, this ties into both being or understanding your champ's identity very well. You also need to ha- know exactly how they want to play. Like you got to know how they want to play it. abilities are up, yeah. But this also ties into a mindset as well, because um, that's why with Fizz... In a way, you're incredibly aware of what abilities are being used. That is basically in mid game. That's all your mind is really looking at in fights. But you wouldn't even like in a way, you wouldn't be like you can't get to that phase in the game. You shouldn't even be thinking about skirmishing and team fighting because by the time you you are, that should already be muscle memory. Like you wouldn't because you've already played that lane yeah. now. It's like. Like, that's like a micro interaction of a bigger team fight. That's right. Exactly. So, skirmishing team fighting is only a mere extension of of laning. So, because the champs can only do so many things in the game. So, for example, if I'm Fizz and I go to a team fight, if I, and and I'm versing LeBlanc, the same premise applies to Ezreal or to like a Vayne or a Zyre ultimate or whatever the hell it is. It's the same shit. It's just same mobility. I this can't land true. my damage. So, so when you're, when, if you, if I was a jungle coach, what I would probably do then is, um, I would get very granular on ability usage. So for example, if yours or enemies, both, both. But, but mine mainly. So let's say I'm playing, um, 
Let's use Hecarim as an example. Okay, Hecarim's a great one. I mean, this is what I do. I've actually had a uh, ban recently. We've only in the reviews. I couldn't care less about decision making, passing, yep. nothing. That's How great. How do you use your E, Ghost, and R as Hecarim? That's great. And then I uh, then we wrote down literally. Okay, oh, this was the fill up as well. Ghost is great for long fights. You feel like it's going to be a long fight, so you start it instantly, and you want to chase people down. E is good if you want to either just one shot someone. Or you need to like close distance and then you can like they flash and then you are right. Yeah, it's so it's so fascinating actually you talking about this because you would never have to go to this extent as a mid laner to improve upon your skirmishing. Oh really? Because you just because you know you, this you've in already lane. got that. Yeah, you've already done uh, that. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? It's so with you you have very little skirmishes, so you don't get an opportunity to interact as much in I, a way, right? I guess you could say, I mean, for example, like my Diana guy. Yeah. The way you kill camps is the way you kill champs as well because you want to space out your abilities. But this is yeah. only specifically for the early game. Yeah. Because you get a passive, you know, the passive that when you use ability, you get attack speed. Right, right yeah. So you want to you space out your abilities so you can maximize the attack speed as much as possible. But what's interesting is that you talk about things in your Diana guide that you, it's like, this is ba- like you can't not know this as a mid laner because you just wouldn't be able to take good trades. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. So it's like you talk about the importance of like holding your Q and stuff like that. That's already. That's like the baseline Diana fundamental in lane. Which, so you would say you wouldn't put that in your guide? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't talk about that when it comes to skirmishing and stuff like that because really, if you already got to that, yeah. You, if by the time you're already f- focusing on your skirmishing, you should already know the importance of hitting your E and how you need to hold your oh, E okay, so and stuff it. like that. Yeah. yeah. So I need to make a section about how to fight. Yours is like how to lane, and then the and same then principles same apply. Principles yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need to do that separately. Yeah, that's correct. But you have to kind of do it separately, right? So yeah, so you're spot on. So you have to go to each individual skirmish and be like, okay, here, given we use E like this, we should have used it in, like this in this situation. So yeah, you, you in a way, have to overemphasize every single skirmish. Skirmish, because we have because so few Because it has them. so few of them. You have to get max value from each skirmish, which is fascinating. I guess that's why junglers overall have a reputation to be not good mechanical players. Right. I mean, that makes sense because you're just not being as in many fights. Hence mm. why starting with lane, then going to jungle, you'd be a much better player. Mm. That's why the best, a lot of the best junglers are mid laners who move right. to jungle. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fascinating because, yeah, I've never really, and again, tying into the not thinking, you shouldn't think in the fight because by then you should already have a, such a good understanding of your, the way your abilities function that it's just like, you're just, you're just looking to tick the boxes subconsciously. It's like, of course, I'm not going to E in here. I don't have to think about how to use my E in this fight as fizz. It's just no brainer. It's like, I already know I can't use it on targets with her mobility unless they're one-shottable and I, I just use my ears as a gap closer and finish off with Q. But I don't have to talk about that. That's why as well, a lot of combos, there's very, li- there's very little champions in the game where you genuinely need to talk about combos. You know, people talk about combos and guys. You see the shitty guides on YouTube. <laughs> Everyone's obsessed with combos. I've like never, a- never like made a section. I think I did it on my Dino Guide, just advanced combos, but it was more just tips. Right. Combos. Well, I've seen some ridiculous like, stuff. Like auto, they do like the thing where it's like auto attack ability. Yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck is this? What does this mean? I, I just, I just, love it just tunes out. Yeah. Like yeah, there's like certain ability combos that you really need with like I guess Kiana and Zed, but they're so few. Like I've seen like combo, I've seen combo videos for like champs like Oriana and like Cinder and Victor really? and these champs. It's like, what are you talking what about? You, what is a combo on Oriana? You throw your Q, you run yeah, away you, and then you, you run Q, back and then you, you, throw. Are, then you weave an auto attack. Then you, you know, it's just like you do the proper combo and it's, that's not how it works. Um, but yeah, I, I think what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here with, um, with Luca, that's not a problem that he's not thinking. That's a, that's fine. That's normal. He shouldn't really be 
thinking. He should be using his, well, let's actually be more technical, right? If, if you go to the, the Inner Game of Tennis, that book, um, they talk about, I think it was like System 1, System 2 type thing, or uh, I can't remember, Self 1, Self 2, I think that was the term they used in the book, where there is thinking with the, like the rational part of your brain, prefrontal cortex. You're using a lot of like your prefrontal cortex thinking about logical thinking, logical thoughts. And then there's the part to yourself too, which is more um, emotional. It's like just intuit intuition. And so when it comes to team fighting skirmishing, you're not really using your prefrontal cortex unless it's before the fight and you're thinking about positioning. Mm. That is it. But once you're in it, it's just muscle memory. You got to already, you should have already identified the wing conditions by then. You should have a good idea about how to use your, your use your abilities and your abilities and your champs. You could identity. also be thinking about this. There was a tip that Jinxon mentioned that really helped for him was um, loading screen. He looks at key abilities for him to dodge and like yeah, that's really good and stuff and loading screen. Yeah, that's huge. I like that. That's very good when I'm playing champs like Twist of Fate. When I like okay, I can't alt this person because they have this or like if I'm playing Zed or Fizz, like they have self key, uh, key self peel abilities. Um. So, All right, so in a fight, again, percentage, mm. anticipation versus actual reaction, what would you say it is? I would say it's like 90, 95% anticipation. anticipation. And 5%, yeah. yeah. Even the best players in the world, they're not You're very actually reacting. You're very rarely reacting. reacting. It's, you you kind of know what they're going to do. They can only do like one of two things. Mm. They're either going to hold their ability here or they're going to use it. And that's the only ability they can use. So you're just waiting for it. And your finger's on that. Yeah, you're, you're ready to go. You're ready to go. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's very rare that you're actually genuinely reacting. The only scenario where you're genuinely reacting is when you get like caught off guard by like a gank, or like you yeah, because yeah, you didn't anticipate it. And you're like, oh shit, now I got to use my yeah, exactly. Stuff. You didn't anticipate. Like, now that. I got to dodge. But that's very rarely, and but it's the problem there is very rarely your reaction times. It's or your response. It's why the hell did you have to rely on your reaction times in the first place? Dodging a malfight ult. Is that anticipation or reaction? Depends if you know they're there or not. That's true. Sorry. If, if you know, you know they're, they're there over the wall, they're, yep. like, they're ready to go, you're just anticipating. And if they come out of nowhere, you would have seen the same mechanics and that's reaction. That's right. That's reaction. Yeah. yeah so you should never... Yeah, actually, yeah. So, yeah it's, yeah, it's so spot on. Because, I mean, the, the way that I got better, at, I feel like, at my mechanics was actually having more focus in a game. Right. It, well, but again, mechanic. what do you mean by mechanics, mechanics specifically? Fuck, I don't know what I mean by that. Because micro is very in depth. There's clicking, there's clicking speed, clicking quality, accuracy. I would say ability usage. Ability usage in terms of timing. Yeah, like flow state, just knowing like when to use what ability. Yeah, well, which is would just be anticipation. Yes, this is anticipation. You know what to look for. Well, I actually now that I think about, it, I'm a terrible reaction player. Yeah, I'd say I'm the same. I'm similar. Like, uh, like, if I'm in a situation where I have to react, I think I, I think I'm actually one of the worst, dude. I, that, I think that's why I'm so coin flipping in a lot of situations. Is that? Well, is that? Yeah, is but that, who is a good reaction player though? Like, yeah, that's true. I who? guess they wouldn't. No, I don't think many players are. Even the best players that, yeah. like, people talk about Trovi and stuff. Trovi doesn't react. He'll be pure he anticipation. Yeah, but but that's the thing, Nathan. So what you've done, you know, how you said you've gotten better at anticipating. That's because you probably now have a much better understanding of your champ's identity than you did in the past. And the way you've identified your role in fights has been much higher quality. It's like, it's a result of many other things. So your skirmishing, the micro element of skirmishing is one subsection. It's very, it's one very small subsection. The rest of it, like, again, it's, 
your ability to identify is that fight even good at the first place what Those identifying your role really in that important. fight your yeah. mindset heading into yeah. the fight your ability to identify key threats your assessment of summoners and itemization target selection these are all things that impact your skirmishing it's not just micro um which i think junglers can get away with poor micro overall you don't like you will get exposed depending on the champ you're playing but you can cover it up with other good other areas so. yeah yeah, I think I've covered up mine very, very nicely. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think your micro's that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. People like to, in my games, like to overemphasize the... Yeah, it's not really that, that important. It depends. If you play Kindred, it's probably important. If yeah, you play Nidalee, yeah, it's it important. Depends, depends what champ you play. Which I just don't play those champs for a reason. Yeah. So. But um, um, what we, where, were, where were we... So, I mean, that was... You, you asked me about so why oh, Lucas. Lucas went. And then it's like, he wasn't thinking in the fights, but it's like... So, I, so what stage is he at then? Because so as we're saying he, he shouldn't think in fights. So does he need to do all those? He needs to think before the fights? Well, okay. So again, I don't know him. So I'm just going to throw a, b- a bunch of stuff out. Yep. Either he... Um, so either his lull state usage is, is not good. A lot of people, I would say, switch off in their lull states. Oh, okay. So that's they, when you're not doing anything. Like, say, in yeah. between camps, you Yeah, say? in between camps, coming out of base, yep. you know, resetting, all that sort of stuff. Like... Is he using those times effectively to like think? That's your uh, thinking time. Okay. Well, apparently he has problems thinking throughout the entire game. Well, that's then I would hone in those specific areas. So what I was yeah. I would set a learning objective saying, in these specific areas between these camps, and when and when you're coming out of base and this, you think about how your in, trample interact with top laner. Well, get, laner. yeah, you can see say what are the key threats on the enemy team? Um, what are champs you threaten? What are the champs that threaten you? What is your role in the comp? What's the wing con? Stuff like that. Yeah. Like, get him thinking. It's very specific, very actionable. I think it's going to be specific, yeah. But, again, I'm warning you, this is exactly what's happened to nearly every single one of my clients. Yeah. As a result, he's going to decrease. He's going to shit the bed. Because it's so overwhelming at the start when you start to do that. I think nearly every single one of my clients have set that learning objective. They drop. But for some reason. And I don't even know really why. I think it's because they over, either they're overcomplicated or they're not thinking now about the other the basic stuff stack. or uh, this mental sex getting overwhelmed mm. but I don't know what else was there though <laughs> that's the thing I don't know what else that was replacing got it because they weren't doing anything well they're really anyway. doing anything anyway but I, I don't know which is interesting that's actually fascinating but then they end up coming back though they they come back yeah they rise back yeah okay they... see so this is, is that's progression yeah that is progression that is progression oh but the, the, this is the thing with progression Nathan is that um because how else are you going to learn like yeah, uh, but, but the thing is with, with every other, say you take gym or any any other skill, there's like, there's, um, what are they called again? Key KPIs. There's KPIs, things that you can look at. You're like, oh, okay, I'm getting stronger. I can do now this amount of weight with this many reps. And on this day, that's when I did that. But with league, it's so hazy. KPIs are hard in league. KPIs are incredibly at, difficult. I mean, looking at CS is like, you know, like though, there's some people that you in in Midland Academy you see when you watch that, and they have like that little is it blitz or something. Yeah, like I the, hate that. You see the CS yours stuff. versus pro. It's it's not good. Yeah. Um. Look, what I would say this is something we sh- we need to go deep on is um. Look, I'm gonna make a video on this this week, but we we overemphasize every single win and loss. 
And it's only natural because the game is so emotional. Yeah. It's so painful. I, I would say in general, when some people talk about games, sometimes they like, um, you know, vent or complain or like talk about a certain situation in a game they thought was funny or something like that. It's very dangerous to look at a game in isolation in terms of like, you're, like you know how sometimes we say people bring to our review session some really bad games like we could get into details on like that game but that yeah. might be so damaging because it's so pointless you know what i've been doing actually recently nathan in a way okay i've got two things to look at the first one i've been setting more general learning objectives rather than specific for a specific reason okay give us an example so I had a guy this morning, rise player, gold, very good rise player. Like he understands the champ's identity, beautiful micro, ticking all the boxes. And he's been playing rise for like multiple seasons. But his mid game made zero sense. And usually I never talk about mid game when it comes to gold because usually it's not really the it's case. About but, early lane but, phase, but with yeah. rise, you're so utility focused and, and a bad mid game on rise is a really bad mid game. Like, because you can't really just mindlessly group on rise. It's not... Because you have no damage ability. You're, you have, that means you're literally playing without an ultimate. You can't do that. You're just going to get out DPS. If you ARAM mid at 15 minutes with Rise versus Lux or Velkos, you're just going to lose the game, even yeah. if you're ahead. Because you, So basically, with Rise's identity, you're trying to use your ult. Yes, you've got to utilize your ultimate, your ut utility on your ultimate, yeah. right? So that's why you, you always say Rise split push in and stuff like well, that. Well, yeah, you've got you to create a man advantage somehow. You've yeah. got to go to the sideline temporarily. Yeah. You've got to do something with your ultimate, right? And... And I said to him, look, we can get very speed. And we did. We go over. We went over a few specifics, right? Here, we should not be here. We should be looking for user ultimate. We should trade this objective. We can't win team fights, blah, 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 blah. But what I said at the end of the session, I'm like, I don't really care about the mistakes you're going to make with your ultimate. I just want to see you having a go and, and developing the right mindset with Rise. Your mindset heading into mid game is essentially, how can I find a way to utilize my ultimate to create a man advantage or create some form of advantage? Now, where that gets you, let's get let's cross that bridge where that we'll cross that bridge when when we come to it. In a way, I kind of just then look, it gives him a direction. It's like, okay, now I need to look at my mid-game ult usage and my mindset heading into mid-game and his assessment of the win condition. But that's not specific in a way, right? That's not like we didn't look at okay, here you got a split push to this moment, and then here you got it all, and then no, let's just you figure that out. I want you to have a go at figuring that out. And then specific questions you have along the way, I have a channel where they send me a specific situation and then I'll answer that question. So that is what I've noticed. That is a much healthier way of improving. So so rather than actively trying to improve like... So what... Okay, so TLDR, mindset and like your... Like things like role assessment, wing con assessment, it changes every game. It's a skill... It's a specific skill, but it changes every game. Yeah, I always say it would be great. Imagine if you could like ride out every possible win condition. Like there's millions of combinations. There's millions it's of impossible. combinations, right? So I might have a crack and then come back to me again. Two or three weeks, we'll do another session. But in the meantime, any any like situation where you now you actively have had a hypothesis you've in the game, you had a go and it failed or went well, clip it, put it and then at me and say, why didn't this work? Or what was good about this? Or... Just ask a very specific question. And then you do that again. You do it again. You do it again. Now, all of these things are, st are still, they're just examples of So there's of separate that. components that you want to all merge into like bigger overall Spot gameplay. Now, so you're trying to perfect certain components of gameplay rather than you think looking over an entire VOD. Okay, Is so... That's what you're saying is better in terms of that? So, what I'm, so, so I could theoretically say this, Nathan. I could theoretically say, I want you to get better at specifically 
um, split pushing. Like just one, that's one way of using your ultimate in a way. It's just going to the side lane and then, um, and staying in the side lane and then like just split pushing. One very specific example. Now that's not going to take into the opportunities where you just want to shove and then move. That's not going to take into the moments where you can actually hover your lane or use your ultimate aggressively onto a side lane. That's not going to, that's not going to take into account the moments where you like group with your team, then ultimate all to one location together. There's so many ways you can utilize your ultimate. I just want you to have a go at all of them in a way. I just want you to be thinking about that, get the mindset correct first, and then things that you're confused about, we'll tackle that one by one. Because this is this is why, Nathan, our goal, what I've realized with, for me anyway, the Midland Academy, I'm there to teach a, a more of like a mindset and a process of improvement rather than improving at a specific skill mm. because I'm not going to be there for every that's single right. game. That's the key thing. And I'm going to teach you through these examples. You're going to keep giving me, spam me with examples. Eventually, eventually they'll see how they you will click think, together. how you approach the situations. Like that's actually, yeah, it never actually comes. And that's what I found. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, you always have success most of the time with longer clients in the, that's you know, right. Yep. Like I got Ishan, for yep. example, started um, gold, um, Gold three or gold four, and now he's like got to diamond one, right? Yep. In like seven, eight months. And that's because just he grind. just chipped and just asked me questions, the same thing. And we went over the same situation same thing, over again. Same thing, same thing. And eventually thing. it clicks. It clicked. Things click together. But he, it had to click for him. I can't, I can sit there and I can just spew all this knowledge on him, but it doesn't mean anything. But it's the same thing, Nathan, with you and your mindset towards just, just your, your mindset towards the soul two. Say if you were trying to explain what you're trying to do at the soul two, to someone else who was like, who wanted to do something similar. It's not about what you do specifically. It's not about how you run the soul two program. It's about the mindset, which creates the ideas or creates the premise around the soul two. You know, it's, you, yeah. you wouldn't be able to just teach them. You wouldn't be able to just give them some neat little sentence no. and everything clicks. It's like a motivational little video or something like that. Yeah. No. And, and so what now this is what's super, super fascinating about this, Nathan, I got sent an article as a research paper, mm. Um, by Cupcake. And he's, because I think he's studying like sports science or something at, at his university in New Zealand. And the, uh, the article basically, it was quite a complex research paper. I had to, I had to go out reading it. I was, you had to cry. I had to go. I, and I, I tried to go yeah. through the methodology and it was, it was quite overwhelming. But I got to the end and mm. I started reading through the, what the findings were and et cetera. And how Andy was applying, Cupcake was applying, applying these learnings. And, Basically, the research paper stated that having um, specific things, like like isolating skills for many tasks was actually detrimental to skill acquisition and skill, uh, what's, the, what's the word for like maintaining a skill? Maintaining a skill. Uh, so the skill acquisition and skill something maintaining something let's say maintaining right so the maintenance of the skill and the acquiring of the skill so what they found so they did they did this a crazy experiment where they for one group they isolated the skills and drilled the skills for, like one by one the other one they they did one skill one skill like all di all different skills one after the other and the group that did the skills one after the other did never they didn't isolate they both acquired the entirety of the skill set faster and they were able to maintain a much higher level of performance in that skill. Now, the theory was being was that you've essentially allowed the person or the student or the client to um, click things together on their own. 
join the things together. Now, the in a way, in a way, you're forcing them to try harder because it's more challenging as well. Got it. So, I, I having practicing an isolated skill is is easy. Yes. Because all it requires so you're gonna, is reputation. So then your brain gets lazy. Yeah. So you're actually going to focus you're, in a way. You're going to give less intensity. Got but it. But when something's very challenging, you got to. You're forced it together. to. You're forced to adapt, and you're forced to use more, <laughs> more brain power. So, so you're saying to me, how okay, interesting is it? That's super interesting. Okay, is this a ridiculous example now? So, if I was to explain something, and it's just a shit explanation, it forces them to figure out what I was saying more so. I think I think a, a better way to just to kind of clarify this would be um, in league rather than um, drilling. Like, okay, let's just say it was possible to drill each specific thing in League of Legends. The theory of this research paper suggests that instead of just specifically drilling, 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 it'd be to go in there and in, in a way kind of bombard you with multiple things to force you in a way to, to join them together with higher intensity and give more effort, which actually creates the learning process gets uh, sped up. So when you say you give people now more general learning objectives, yeah, this is the that's intention. That's what that it is. That's exactly. So what I'm trying to do is get them to think on their own. I don't want to give them, like, what I'll try to do is I'll try to give learning objectives that all tie together. So for now, can, you, can you give me an example of yeah, a I'm very looking. specific one, and then a, when yeah, then you yeah. made more generalized? Okay, so okay, okay. Let's let's give another example, not the rise game. Let's talk about um, okay. Back when I first started coaching, a lot of the time I would give a specific learning objective that was specifically on one wave state. I said, all I want okay. you to do is I want you to, um, I want you to practice holding the wave on your side. Okay. That's, that's something that I used to do. I used to give one specific thing. I want you to practice holding the wave, getting used to knowing how to do that one thing. Now, look, occasionally I will do that, but now over time what I'm starting to realize is my goal now is that, okay, these are the differing ways and the, the strengths and weaknesses of each wave state. This is, what, this, is the, this is what would happen if you were to hold it here. This is what could happen if you were to do this with a wave. And this is what you would, if you were to slow build, you can do this, 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 but the weaknesses are this. If you were to hold it on your side, the strengths are this, but the weaknesses are this. And if you hold it in the middle, these are the advantages and disadvantages. Given that you're playing this champion, now all I want you to do is I want you to go in, have a hypothesis, and now I want you to try, apply the right one at the right time and have a go at doing that and get experimenting. So these are all the options you have. You give them all the yep. options. And you now you choose, you figure now, it out. Now you know what the strengths and weaknesses are of each one, or you should, now you just have a crack. Because in their mind, they had to piece together. Well, now together you've got to figure out, yeah. Which well, Curtis said, okay, given that this is the strength and weakness of this, hmm, which one should I do? I guess I should probably pick that one. So I'm starting to, to get them to, to piece things by themselves. Now, what, another example of this is that rather than only focusing on wave states, what I'll do is I'll tie to trading, warding, and wave management all kind of tie in together. It's like a neat little package. So wave states dictate the, the types of trades that you can take. So a lot of the time now... I will then combine these sort of wave learning objectives with trading. I'm like, okay, when the wave's here, 
you're going to be more inclined to want to use your E aggressively here, which is great. And when the wave is in this sort of position, you probably can't use your E aggressively um, because X, Y, Z. Or these are the dangers, the risk involved in using your E aggressively. Unless you have this sort of ward. So I'm, what I'm trying to do now is give them layers. So when they go into their own VOD review, they can be like, okay, Curtis said these sorts of wave states are good because of this reason. Okay, interesting. Was my E usage? How was my E usage given that the wave was here? Interesting. And oh, warding. How was my warding here? Oh, okay. That actually makes sense. That's why this trade didn't go well. So now they're trying to have to figure out, and then they have the, they have the knowledge there in a way to click things. So if they think back to that session, they'd be like, oh, why was my trade? Why did my trade go poorly? Was it the wave? Was it the because I didn't lean and ward? Or was it because I didn't use my E reactively? So what I'm trying to do is get them to figure out the solution mm. through the theory. Mm. I, I, it's true. I mean, it feels it feels uncomfortable when I when I say it does. It feels it feels when, weird when I try and tell someone in this situation you do X. I feel like they haven't actually learned anything. The only the only what I've noticed the only sessions I do that is in master pass now. I do that with yeah, my because, master boss because they can figure it out more. Yeah, that's actually a good. No, point. because master boss understand yeah. the theory behind why. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, like I can like uh, for example, like I, I I have some examples with Tim, um, or even with Will, like situations like the first thing we'll think about is like, is this a small wins mindset? Mm. So it's like you look at this situation and it's like, okay, well then you just sort of done this. It's like, well that ties into small, but we don't have to say that because mm. small wins get that person's flash. Hold your flash. Yeah. Punish that two minutes later because you have your flash. Yep. Is that an example? Or is that a bad? Yeah. Example? No. Yeah. So you, you get the more you get very specific. I think the higher elo you get. Yeah. But you want more general. Yeah, I agree. More yeah. generalizing gold, platinum. That's right. Yeah. So which is actually op literally opposite of what I used to do. Polar opposite. Interesting. And again, we might be wrong, but this is what I'm testing anyway. Yeah. I mean, I definitely Bec something feels like uncomfortable. Me explaining specifically what to do step by step yeah because there's no i need the, i need to pull it back and look at the overall mindset general well, okay so this is this is another way i view it in a way what i okay there's a lot of learning to be had from gold and platinum and diamond there's a shit ton of learning to be had i agree like it learn, teaches you if you're if you're like 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 it really helps me understand how to like coach better. Like I'm like this pushes me to the fucking limits coaching gold sometimes. I find it harder, yeah, definitely harder because it's like I need to break down this. I need to go so many steps backwards, yeah, and like I need to think about things that are obvious to me that aren't so much to someone else. That's correct. So what I would say, Nathan, is that um, because there is so much to learn, the goal isn't to just nitpick one or two things. The goal is to get them in a mindset where they can. Figure things out. Figure themselves. things out themselves. Because yeah. yeah. there's 5% as there's 10% as there that need to be done. They need to be ticked off. And the best, the fastest way to learn through gold and platinum is to have a crack and have your own hypothesis. hypothesis. Have you as much intention as possible. possible yeah. have as, and that's all I want. Yeah. So if, if you apply this completely wrong, so I, that's why my, my channel at the moment, I just get spammed by people saying, Curtis, what do you do here? They send me a clip, a minute clip. They'll send me the situation. Should I reset here? Why not? Now, I love doing those because I've already gone through the theory. They understand now the theory. They're just a little bit confused about the application yeah, of like it. polish up some aspects. That's great. And, yeah. and, and then, they, but they've actually had a crack. Yeah. And then they'll get to see the strengths and weaknesses in, in application. It's, I guess if you think about it in school versus 
you know, it's like when you get problems, like math problems mm. and stuff. You can't just get, you can't just get like basically. I feel like sometimes what I'm doing is I'm just giving them the answer, but they don't actually learn how to solve the problem again. That's right. In a way, is, yeah. that, is that a good analogy? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good analogy. Yeah, because you have to solve it. Because you know, like in maths, like mm. like think about it, you solve the same problems over and over again. Just the same. Ways. Yeah, it's the same. For, it's a formula. The formula is a formula. Yeah. So it's like the application of the formula can be a little bit different. You know what's interesting? So did I talk about? Um, teaching my girlfriend skateboarding last week. No. So, <laughs> who's this, that guy in the comments all the time? He's he always roasts me. It's like apparently I'm not allowed to have a girlfriend. This <laughs> is weird. I like he literally says it every episode. every episode. <laughs> nice, he says nice girlfriend flex or something. Right? No, no. Last episode he said, wait, is this is this the episode of the broken by concert? Curtis isn't flexing his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was going to respond to him saying, man, you're a legend. Like, keep it up. Keep responding. Every, keep every episode. Um, anyway, so I've um, been teaching my girlfriend skateboarding. And what was super interesting, so we just went to like a flat, bit of flat area where like it's just super easy to learn. And basically she had never done it before, basically. Mm. And I didn't really, I've never taught like a, like an in-person, I mean, I've kind of caught, taught you some stuff about the gym, but like, it was pretty different. simple. Yeah. Uh, it's like really simple because it's like one it's movement form, in a yeah. way. But like skateboarding's very intuitive. It's mm. an incredibly intuitive sport. Like, and especially for me, I'd done like it since I was three. And stuff like that. Yeah. Like I've done skateboarding since I was like three years old. Like it's just so muscle memory. I, don't, I literally zero thought. And I had no process. When I learned skateboarding, there was no process. Because that's, that's awesome league. Right. Same thing. Right. Yeah. But with league, I spent a lot of time about how the mechanics of league work. Well, now you have, but not when now you originally... Not when you right. the same thing, right? So I got really overwhelmed when I'm trying to teach her. Um, I just, I'm like, you're on the skateboard. I'm like, what am I doing? You got to break it really down. Yeah, so I'm, I literally <laughs> started to go on the skateboard and I, and I started to think to myself, what the hell am I actually, why are my feet here? Where is my balance in my body? Why am I putting pressure here? Like I'm starting to like, like think about it, right? Mm. Now, so what I, at the start, I said, I want you to, to kind of just go on this. And, and I started to focus on specific things. And I said, okay, look, okay, this is the basic foot placement. And we just focus on the foot placement, and then I th- and I tried to do the 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 strategy of isolating the elements and then focusing on one at a time, but she just wasn't getting it. Like it didn't make sense, and she just couldn't. It was she was going nowhere. What what part? She couldn't. She just couldn't properly. Um, like so, what you have to do is put one foot, and then you have to push with the other foot, and then you have to get back on. Oh, that's like so that whole hard, process. <laughs> she couldn't. She couldn't yeah. get back on. Like yeah. she would push and then she would lose her balance and fall back off. Yeah. She couldn't keep pushing. And um, I was getting, no, I wasn't frustrated, but I was confused about how to approach this. So I was like, all right, screw it. Don't think at all. Just get on it and feel it and just, just, just go. Stop thinking about specifics. Just feel it. Just try and feel the, the weight of the board. Just feel the balance. And she just stopped thinking in a way. And I just let her do that for like 20 minutes. And then she started killing it. She started feeling a lot more natural. She looked a completely different on the board. I didn't even give her any tips really. So you said, just do it. In a way, I, I, I gave her the basic, like the basic stuff. Like, okay, you're probably leaning, your foot's way too far back here. Your foot's in the right place here. Really like foot placement stuff. But in terms of where to put your balance, pressure and all that sort of stuff, I just left it up to her, feel it out. And she picked it up much, much, much faster. Do you think you were overcomplicating it? Probably. But but I th- the reason I'm bringing this up, Nathan, is I think in a way I was doing, at the start of the skateboard um, teaching session, I was doing the same as I used to do with my coaching clients. I'm getting way too specific. And I wasn't allowing them 
to feel the things that I've been teaching together. You just got to go out there and fall over and fail and click it together yourself. There's a feel element to League of Legends, very similar to skateboarding, very where important, yeah. you can't you can't calculate damage. Feel you could have feel damage. You can't calculate movement in a way. You got to feel movement. You know. There's a really good uh, clip. Reckless. Someone asked Reckless why he doesn't play Arams. Apparently, the numbers in Arams are slightly different. Yeah, they certain, are. Things. So he yeah. says he can never play Arams ah, because his feel might be off for a little bit for a champion Fascinating. damage. Fascinating. So he thinks that if he was to play Arams, he would be. He just can't use it as a form of practice. It's just it's different. Impossible. It would actually make him a worse player. Uh, I need to um, take a toilet break here. Oh, God damn it, Curtis. We're back in a jiffy. All right, we're back. Um, so as you were saying, ARAM. Yeah, ARAM. That's interesting. It's so feel. 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 feel, feel, feel. So we sidetracked a bit. Back to progression. Back to progression. Look, first things first, what we're going to accept. There isn't going to be a clean metric. metric because... Of the inability to isolate skills. Yep. And maybe playing devil, maybe that is a good thing. Maybe in a way that's actually sped up the learning process. I don't know. Potentially. I think that's a whole not. We need to get some specialists in here to talk about that. Oh, we need some scientists on this show, Curtis. We but. Some scientists. This all just. Researchers. Re, I guess it re. Um, just backs up the whole thing that League is a chaotic game. Embrace the chaotic nature of solo queue. Exactly. It's chaotic in-game, and in a way, improvement is chaotic in a way. And you can only ever get a gauge on your improvement over a large sample size. Yeah, it's so... I can't emphasize enough how dangerous it is to look at one game. Or even a block, or I even mean, two I blocks, mean, three I blocks. Mean, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, one block, that's right. It, it matters, but it doesn't. Okay. How do you explain that? Like, like why, like a three block, like you got to get the learnings, but like, it doesn't matter. Every, each game is the most important game and the least important game at the exact same time. Explain, that doesn't make any sense, Curtis. What's the most important? Because your intensity each and every game, one game can be the, one decision can be the difference between winning or losing a game. Yep. One game itself, as we've talked about in the coin flip video, can be the difference between climbing and not climbing. Mm. And at the same time, it's one game in the grand scheme of thousands, thousands of, games. of games. So it's not that important. Mm. So it's a bit awkward, a bit hard. I mean, I guess it's like life in a way, right? Like every minute in a way is the most important minute, but you've got millions of minutes. So how do you kind of wrestle with that? You know, it's the exact same thing. It's like long-term thinking versus short-term yeah. thinking as well. What was, the, what was the one in that John Wooden had a really good quote in that book we read in the BBC book club? It, it make each second a masterpiece. No, no, there was another one. You've got to be fast, but like slow. Oh, yeah, no, he said, he said, um, you, you want to be, no, be quick, but don't hurry. Yeah, be quick, but don't hurry. I love that. Yeah, one. I love that. That's really good. Be quick, but don't hurry. That's good in League of Legends. It's it about is. patience. You know, you've got to have quick decision making, but don't force things. Okay, so let's, let's tie this in then. Given that we, given that we, um, Okay, given that we are after progression in both the tying it back to the initial thing we said, we have progression in game, progression out of game. Which one do you want to dive into first? Um, I think we've tapped a lot of in game, have we? Or out of game? Okay, let's 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 wrap that one neatly then. Okay, so so, progression so we said game. that if you're a high elo player and you understand the 
the stage three. So we're talking back to the stage three, stage two, stage one. We have the stage three, which is the mindset, your role assessment, um, wind condition assessment, that sort of stuff, which influences your behavior. So that should always be fixed. And most high yield players are pretty good at that. And then your behavior, your decisions, that's the theory of the game. And then there's the execution, the micro. If you're improving at the in-game, it is one of those things. It falls into one of those categories. And your job is to identify which one it fits in. I'm going to talk about this actually in my next video as well. Um, the importance of being able to identify which category it, fit, it fits in. Because some people think that it's a it's a theory problem. Some people think it's an execution problem when they're actually... They're never going to choose that decision because their role assessment or their mindset was actually incorrect heading in the into the game. Place, yeah. yeah, I mean, great example. You're never going to peel back... As Silas and use your E to peel your AD carry if you didn't correct if you didn't actually assess the AD carry as the win condition. Uh, Eve game. This was Tim Masters here. Never thought Shen could possibly be a win condition, where Shen might not want to use his ult on the other side of the map, where he actually he's against two three AD and he can just be unkillable. Keep playing towards him, get him ahead. Didn't compute and then lost the game because of it. And he should have just made Shen the win condition because that just didn't compute and he had the opportunity to. So that's a uh... yeah. That so it, it can never be a stage two there in a way, could it? Because he, that playing to Shen was never in the yeah. options. It was yeah. never even in there. Yeah. Yep. Spot on. So um, I, and I guess the other thing we mentioned was lower elo players, gold, platinum. They need to be more honed in on under like understanding the theory and then having a crack at executing upon that. Mm. Um. And having as they need to be focused on as having as much intention, intention as possible. Is so important, and that's what's going to speed up the the, the process. The pain plus so reflection, because that's pain plus. You must mistake why that. And the only way you have wrong. a painful experience is if you commit to a decision, because mm. you're never going to have that painful. Because then you're like, yeah, it's 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 like when you get that mindset where like you don't really care like at all if you win or lose the LP, like. You know, it's like some people just, just yep. completely just, just autopilot. Playing on game. a Smurf it does that for me. Yeah. I can't. It's so hard. I find it really difficult to play on a Smurf for that exact reason. The the experiences aren't painful. It's just whatever. Yeah, that, you've always struggled with that. I've you? always struggled. Yeah. And, and uh, like uh, learning a champ on a second account, it it hurts for me. Like I I enjoy but it. Don't you have intention? Because you're trying to figure out how to play the champ. Like I, I'm playing with intensity, but there's another like there's another level. There's like another level where like it, I would improve much much faster if I was on my main. So say so if I were to play all these games on my main account, it probably would take me 50 games, 60 really? games to get to the same level as it would take me 100, double 120 yeah. on my Smurf account, just through sheer intensity and intention. But you think that's a you problem? That's a me problem. Yeah, I've always had that issue. Mm. You don't really have that, do you? No. You can play intense on both accounts. Mm. That's impressive. And that would probably speeds up your process of making champ guides. Yeah, like, I mean, I literally jumped into Mundo. I'm making a Mundo guide now. My first couple of games, like, just gods your League of Legends straight up. Like, you know, it's really beautiful That's stuff. really good. I wish I could do that. I need to, I need to investigate that. Um, so what were we talking about again? Sorry. Um, so we were covering the in-game. We wanted to tie oh, that off. right. In progression, what does progression look like in-game? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so painful experiences. You've got to have as many painful experiences as possible. Embrace the pain. Understand the concepts. Have a crack at applying the concepts. And your um, 
and your progress or i mean your progress will just only come through time i mean i, I don't know how you can't really measure it time is so important actually touching on to this i had a i'm gonna write an article on it have you ever answered the question of like how to actually like review like how do you actually review it's a it's a skill a game um well i mean i would i break it down into components i mean i guess it's like review your deaths that's usually the first one I start with. That's okay. like, right. There's so much information in that one. Yep. Uh, early game. So it's like you had to ask lots of questions. So it's like, was this a good gank, bad gank? What information did I miss? Was I tracking the enemy jungler? Is this how you would review? Yes. It? I mean, this is great. I mean, because th- these are things that are in a way with my content. I've done bits and pieces, but I haven't definitively put it together a to tell you this process. is how you review. Like I have one, how to review your deaths. I have that as well. But I don't have one, like, how do you just review a game? Like, you just get shoved that's a, in. That's a tough one. I think that you have to break it into components. I actually have a, a, a yeah, article I wrote for Soul 2. Everything you need to consider in, like, the first, like, six minutes. And it's just a list of every single question. It's a lot right. of questions, It's a lot of man. questions, yeah. Yeah, look, look, I think what I said to this guy, he asked me, I said, you basically have to play devil's advocate with every decision. So in league, right? Every decision, there's multiple alternatives. You choose the path here and do this jungle path. There's four, five, six, seven, eight more alternatives that you could have done. You could maybe you could have just reset. You could have gone the other side. You could have done dragon. But there's all these things, right? Your job is to question every single decision, key decision, even if they worked well. Even this if they worked well. Going back to well. the Kova thing. Yeah, going back to the Kova thing. Yeah. What was the alter? Is this the is this the most optimal course of action given the win condition, given my role in the game, given the variables in the game state? That's essentially what you're doing with every key decision, whether you win or lose. And we've become so far detached, and this is what I want to talk about in my video this week, Nathan. Is that we've become so detached from what improving at league is? Yeah, it just doesn't exist. There's no conversation. Like, as in, like, if you think about it, at the most fundamental level. All we are trying to do, if we have, if we are in a given scenario, a given game state, we are, we want to to consistently pick the most optimal choice. That's that's all we're trying to do. And how do you do that? You got to be able to to soak in as much information as possible and correctly respond to that information. Yeah. So information collection is step one. So is it a is it the fact that your mental stack is so overwhelmed that you, you can't process any for any more information, which mm. you need to practice more? And work on your jungle clear. Wh- yep, work on the fundamentals to bring about the muscle memory. Is your champ identity understanding off, in which you need to go back and really watch other people play the champion, get some other vault reviews, get other opinions on your le- on how you're playing that champion? Is your micro an issue, in which, again, that, need, that can be honed in on? Um, there's specific areas... that um can just be refined there so i actually completely lost my track of thought there i don't know what the, I, was, I was on so i had something so juicy there i can't remember what it was We're talking about reviewing curtis uh how you review and then you <laughs> oh, i just lit- i had it all there it was like i was like following a script in my mind <laughs> it just all disappeared you lost the track yeah i didn't know where you were going with it oh, to be honest. god damn it oh it'll come back to me um so we're talking about reviews Oh yeah, we're talking about like the most fundamental level and improving. Um, 
And when we're talking about, um, yeah, optimal decisions. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, optimal decisions in a given moment. Yeah, so we've become so far detached from actually changing our behavior. Yeah. LP is not behavior change. No. MMR is not behavior change. The way our teammates play. No, teammates play. That's not the way. That's not behavior change. MMR, win weights, OBGGs, meta. None of that is behavior. How is that going to change? If you're in this exact same scenario again, what are you going to do differently and why? At the end of the day, that's all we're here to do. Everything else is a distraction. At the most fun, everything else is a distraction, if you think about it. Well, Curtis, going into the, the general community, League of Legends, you're either good or you're bad. So apparently, I, I think people think that behavior changes are not possible. Yeah, that's great. Because fixed mindset, you're good or you're bad, you should at the game, you're not. You can't, there's, there's no just, you, people can't improve. No. Yep, you're either you're either a, a, a troll, piss low, um, inter. inter, who doesn't know how to play the game, or you're... You know, you're like nemesis and you're, you know... I was called delusional. I was, I was in Fairyland, another game that someone's called me. Really? Yeah. What was the context of that? Uh, I was just playing bad and then he was just saying, you're in Fairyland or something. Oh my God. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, we've become very far detached. So um, at the end of the day, when it comes to in-game progression, in a way... I've kind of come to the conclusion that it doesn't really matter or not if we can measure it. Like, what's the, in a way, if we can or can't measure it, what does it change? Okay, because if you think about the purpose of measuring progression, in a way, you could like reverse engineer, like, okay, this time I got this amount of improvement doing this, so you could optimize your process. But... I mean that would that would be helpful if you could somehow measure progression in a in a given skill such that you could you could like be like oh that week where I did th- this process it helped me improve like this, but it's just never going to be the case. League of Legends can't be that game. So therefore, if we focus less on measuring progression and more about behavior change, behavior change in isolation, I guess that's the best we can do. There is no alternative. The great thing with junglers is you have that jungle clear. You can practice that and get that. But, but in a way, Nathan, just, just, let's just get rid of all the theory crap for a second. And let's just use us for an example. Hmm. There's never... When have you ever used measuring progression as a tool? I've never looked at myself and been like, I now have improved X amount over X amount of weeks. Yeah. No, you would know from feeling. I just feel, in the game. yeah. yeah. I, like, I, I am playing. I, I am understanding my matchups. It's taking less of my mental stack. I'm having. I'm now able to think more holistically about the game. I now understand how to play this matchup, and before I didn't know how to play the matchup. Like it says, you do or you don't. Yeah, we we need to use ourselves as examples, Walker. Yeah, because we've done it, right? Yeah. So there is no. I never used yeah, progression yeah, I mean, as a. Yeah, I mean, even the LP like is sort of just like, oh, that makes sense. Then you know. Let's say, let's say, for example, like a big thing, you know, that I said I was working on was I was so focused on the early game and that was actually hindering me because then I'll just think the game's over and stuff like that, right? The moment I stop doing that, it's like, so that was my hypothesis and then there you go. I start winning more games and I climb in. Yeah. You know, so it's like... But I think with for me and you, for me and you Nathan, we're, we're an anomaly in the way that it's very difficult for us to, to distinguish between improvement and progression in the out-of-game versus in-game. Because we're both so mental oriented. 
Yeah. So with you, you especially, given that you have, um, you, I mean, in the last year, right? You've had some serious, you've had to overcome some hurdles, both, you know, obviously you've improved a lot as a player, but I think your relationship with the game has changed a lot. Because you, you adopted the three-game thing way later. I don't think the three-game thing really improved your level of play as much as it did your relationship with the game. I agree. So I think you're actually improving both simultaneously. Mm. So it's hard to distinguish what was an in-game change or which one was, was a, an out-game change. You know? Yeah, that is very... That's true. It's very difficult. They just conflated it together. Because, I mean... I mean, I don't want to say it, but it's like... I had knowledge that I needed to execute on was higher than when I was in Platinum 1, Diamond 4, right? That's correct. You know? You did, yeah. That's true. So... So there were both things improving simultaneously, I yeah, believe, with you. Yeah, like, I needed that to click. So let's... So, but that's unrelatable, you're saying, for... for you can't distinguish between them. Because for me, it's the same thing. I, 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 it's so easy for me to say I've improved in-game. But to be honest with you, over the last few months, it's mainly just been my relationship with the game. Anyway. And just, like, little, little things. Very little... Very, very little things. Just like my my wing con assessment and just like my awareness of the game, but anyway, let's let's go on to outer game. Okay, outer right? game. Yep. So, love outer game. So I want to start. Just bring it back to the how you respond. So let's have a situation. We'll start with a situation. Yep. Um, lay lay a situation that you see in your soul too. Someone, uh, you take a mid laner's blue buff. And they um, take your entire jungle and follow you around the map for the next couple of minutes. Yep. So funny. I see that from the mid laners' perspective, the other side. What are happens? Um, we don't back them up for like some invade when they have no priority in either lane. <laughs> and true. then they just go down mid and feed a kill or <laughs> really? take, take cannons, walk smite cannons on the way through, stuff like that. That's great. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's a perfect example. Okay. Yeah. So I've seen some crazy shit dude. <laughs> from junglers. I've never oh, the invading, the invading in low low really is out angry. of control. Is it really? They invade with no prior <laughs> every goal <laughs> And then dude. they blame them for not Yeah, spamping, up. question mark, question mark, what oh, the fuck are you fuck, doing? It's out of control. Dude. Those people, I need to the junglers, slap in. The, the, I, this, is, this, is, I, this is biased as fuck, but yeah. there's no way, what? there is no way that the mid laner, like if you were to somehow measure like understanding and like just understanding and thoughts around the game mm. of like a, a jungler at, Mid gold versus mid laner mid gold. Mm-hmm. The jungler is like prehistoric, dude. Like, it's out <laughs> oh, of control. No, it's out of control. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it is out I, of control. I don't know. I mean, I review my gold players and stuff. <sighs> I mean, I see some bad mistakes, but <laughs> but maybe in the, uh, actually no, sorry. It is, I mean, <laughs> there's nice. definitely situations. I, I I have said this many times in my reviews. <laughs> No wonder laners hate us as junglers because oh. we, we ruin the games for them. Yeah. Okay, I, I, can, I guess I can I sort of see it. I dude. It's probably worse, <laughs> I would say, because it is true. Because, yeah, laners can't really... Because we just adapt as junglers to our laners playing bad. We, we still have options. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, sometimes mid laners just have zero options. options yeah. Because of the jungler, yeah. It's you're, incredible. You're probably right, Curtis. I fucking I, that, hate, I I hate need, jungles, I, I need to... But that's fine. They can make mistakes, <laughs> but don't... Spamping your lane when you're no pride. Yeah, that thing. That's just, a wooden. Oh. You need to get. Oh, that's a wooden spoon on the on the bottom for that one. That is not good. If you get those jungles, you gotta whip them into. Oh shape. yeah, I'll absolutely <laughs> annihilate them. That uh, will not last two seconds. All right, so we've identified the scenario that occurs. Okay, so how do you react to that? Yeah, it's how you respond. So it's okay. So actually, I think we we use is we use a real life 
analogy okay. and we tie it to this example. Okay. One of the things that Jono in 2017, 2018, he really changed my perspective on things is when he said, um, okay, so you have a, you have a unfortunate scrim block. This is when we're in die walls. We had an unfortunate scrim block. Um, okay. This is, that's actually, I think a better examples. You go zero three. Yep. Zero three in a block. In a block. Yep. yep great. And yep. so it ties into the scrim block analogy yep. as well. What is your discuss? What is your conversation like? What is your self talk like? What is literally? What does your routine? What does it look like? What do you do? What is your response to that that exact event? Is your response okay? Let's do a little bit of a recap. Let's summarize. What was my intensity like? Um, what, what? Let's go through the mistakes. What? What my deaths like? Was I dying a lot? What are the key trends? Um, what was my pre-game ritual like? These are all really good quality questions, really getting into the details. Um, is your response, or is your response along the lines of, oh, I had autofill, these two games, I had autofill jungles, you checked the OPGs, see them on, this guy, I should have dodged these on a seven-game loss streak. Um, You're on Discord, you message your friends, you can you vent yep, to them. Yep, vent straight away, you venting straight away, are you um, raging, you're adding some of these guys, raging, um, Another one we, we see a lot is we overemphasize mid to late game mistakes. So like, oh, if only this my Eddie Carey flashed this, we win this team mm. fight, win the game. It's like, why the hell are you even in this scenario? Um, yeah. Or are you simply just not reviewing? What are you doing? What's your response like? Now, this is a response to a major event. And obviously these are huge, right? Like the, the bigger the event, these responses, they, they matter a lot. But what Jono changed my life was, it's not the response to these big scenarios that matter. Yes, they matter, but it's it's the reason you are only responding like that is because you've you've responded poorly to all these other miniature little events. So how do you respond to that miss CS? How do you respond to that fail flash on that gank or that miss skill shot? How do you respond to that um you get you get hit in the face, your game playing goes wrong. What is your response to that? You play towards your strong side, then they just still they die and give a shutdown, and your win con shifts. What's your response to that? I had a perfect example in my personal reviews in my in my Midland Academy where I was playing. I think I was playing like um, Twisted Fate into, and I had a Darius Alawi top lane or something like that. And I thought my Darius would win the matchup. I just didn't know the matchup, so I got him like two or three kills. He was three and zero, and then he dies to the Alawi still gives a shutdown to the Alawi. So instantly, my response was, "Okay, he's not a win con. We can't play through him." What's my next win con? That was my response to the scenario. An alternate reality? 17, 18-year-old Curtis? Um, dog shit top laner, FF15, um, top gap, X, XYZ tilting. My response is just typing, raging, um, seeing red. I'm just, I'm out of it. Now, my response, and the, the, you're the... So in a way, the analogy I think Jono used, and I think I read this in a book as well, is that view it as like a tally, you know? And so you have on one side, it's like a simple tally system. On one side of the board, you have a poor response, a negative response. And then on the other side, we have a good response, high quality response. The type of person you're going to be, your identity is shaped up by the tally. It's like a tally system, a real life tally system. Mm. Put a tally on the negative column, tally in the positive column. And over time, the more positive tallies we have, 
We're going we're gonna to create a habit of positive responses when we face these scenarios. And positive, uh, let's get specific on positive responses because people might think it's all a whole happy chappy. Like, let's all be, remember from last episode, a positive response is you're getting pissed off at yourself. Uh, yeah, for occasionally. A miss but, a but I think it's, again, let's get even more granular. Let's see. If, okay, so a positive response is a response that induces the most learning. <clears throat> yeah. Brings about the most learning. Yeah, so I mean that. I mean that could go either way. It could be like self defeat, like I'm shit at the game. I'm you know, versus you know like oh I'm frustrated at myself. Mm. I, I'm not going to do that again. So in a way, I, I so I th- again I think it's important that we say we don't want robots. No, it's completely no, not- like I think having some tallies in there is fine, but you should have a lot more tallies in the positive. No, I, I, I let's again let's I'm play devil's advocate with this again. Just because you're emotional, you have a ne- like a a I guess a frustrated response. That's just the first part of the response. Yeah, okay. you can then you can that's yeah. right. So, so that's the first part, and then you need to deal with the frustration. Yeah, like that is that, your response, and you can turn it into something into fuel. Good. Yeah, into fuel. So so yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have I miss this cannon. You feel the emotion of frustration. Or you're pissed off, whatever. Now, instead of allowing that to to now dictate, allowing that emotion to dictate all your following decisions, you recognize it. It's there. Use it as fuel. Continue on. Now, this is very. This is like we can't. I can't explain that. I can't explain that. I know how it feels. Okay. Okay. So maybe. So I have, I have two versions. You know, the other thing that we always laugh about, the Bill Burr thing, when he pushes the yeah, emotions. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so we don't want to push the emotions down because no. then that bottles up, right? So what you want to do is like the is is the way that it goes upwards is um, frustrated, you can miss CS, and then it's like understanding why. It's recognizing the frustration and then it's like there and then it's like, I guess understanding, the, then I think... Because for me, I find comfort when I go zero three in a block, understanding everything that's gone wrong, why it was my fault, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe I played really well. Like, like if because again, think about it, Curtis. If we don't review, we would be confused as fuck, and then we would be more inclined to have really big negative responses. Because again, for me, the review <sighs> process is, is beautiful for me. Because remember, I say it's like a nice mm. little tie bow then. Mm. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, look, I always say that people are tilted in League of Legends, not because people make a mistake, but because they're confused about what to do next. That's right. They're confused. Yeah. They don't know what they to have, do. They have no, of if course, they, they're going to get angry. Yeah, they're going to get angry. Uh, again, I just think it's important we distinguish between a negative response is not a negative emotion. That's right. That's a good way. Right? Yeah. They're different. Yeah. You can have a positive relationship with negative emotions. Hmm. Some people perform well pissed off. Cupcake, he performed well when he was slightly pissed off. Yep. Other people perform best when they are happy chappy. Very composed. Very composed, relaxed, relaxation. A positive response is one that allows you to perform your best in that specific situation and get the most learning and allow you to do your job. Okay. That's going to look completely different for a lot of people. Like we said, my response to a situation is going to be very different to yours. I don't think you get as pissed off as I get pissed off, but no. I, I, 
when I'm pissed off, like for example, I had a on my main, I played a bard game. I, I um, I'm gonna use a very specific example. I versed Tom support. I, I, to be honest, I've never versed the new Tom support, and I got like I died at level three. The damage of the W, he like popped up behind me, and it did a boatload of damage. CC'd me, and I died. And initially, I was like my split second response was a bit pissed off. Because you felt like it was a little bit out of your control because you didn't understand this yeah. happened to you. It was a bit pissed off, but then I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay, what should I do now? Like, that was my response. And I was just coming out of base. Okay, this, blah, 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 blah. Well, was okay, like, now, now, you're, now you're computing that. It's like, okay, now, I'm computing now that. I shouldn't do that. I yeah. Should, I need to respect his W. Yeah, so I had frustration. I'm not going to lie. I didn't, it's not like I'm a robot. I don't feel anything. Of course, if I die, I'm going to be pissed. But it's, I recognize that. I'm aware of that. I don't give the, I don't give that emotion any control. I don't give it any control. Um, so it's your response. It's how you handle that emotion, which is what Jono said. So Jono, it, when we were coming to competition time, he said, rather than not trying to feel an emotion, you replace an emotion. So you replace anxiety and nervousness with excitement. It's the way you frame the emotion. So if you're feeling nervous about heading to this rank game, he would say he would actually get the players to say to say statements such as, I'm excited to play this game because my family's watching and supporting me. Or I'm excited to play this game to express my best self and show everyone what I've been working on. It's like such a healthier way to frame it. Rather than just be sitting there just being all anxious and nervous and then misclick. Right. You've got to own the fact that you're nervous. Mm. You're going to be nervous. You you're going to final scam. push it down. You can't push it down because that's going to bite you in the ass in the long run. Yeah. Which is, I think, in a way what Kova was doing. Every win, he was like pretending that he wasn't focusing on the LP. He was pushing that excitement Push, that's down. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> he's, like, he's like secretly, yes, I got that. Plus 17 LP. Fuck I'm yeah. not going to tell Curtis. Yeah. Curtis is push it down. Play. Push it down. And then he lets it all out <laughs> when he gets mastered to you. And then everything starts crumbling because yeah. he's just let it go and he yeah. can't control himself anymore. Versus versus being, okay, I got the win. I think I played pretty well. You know, I, I, I deserve, I don't really like that word, but like, I mean, I guess so. I deserve the LP from the way I played. That yeah. makes sense. Okay. Great. Let's move on to the next game. Let's put my best self next game. Well, I don't think deserve. I think it makes sense why I won this game. Is that not the same thing? I don't like deserving. I don't like the word deserving Because deserving feels as though it's like you should... You should. Because then that could be really negative. Yeah, like, because sometimes you're going to oh, do it fuck. and, like, you just, you don't it win. Makes sense. Okay, yeah. I, I know. know. There's something toxic about deserving. I do. I, I hate, hate that word. Well. I feel uncomfortable saying it. You don't deserve shit. No. No one deserves anything. No. Um, so is that that's a healthier way, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, you know, cool. I got the LP. Yep. Makes sense. These are the things that I played towards my champ identity. These are the behaviors that led to this result. And how do I replicate that? That makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Or I won. And I did poorly. This doesn't make sense. Let's get into it. What the hell did I do wrong or right or whatever? So it's all about response. And that's in terms of progression in a way then and the out of game, I guess progression would look like, okay, are you able to express your best self in the most amount of games possible? So if you were able to express your best self and be present in that's the moment. That's incredible progression, man. That's, that's progression. That's amazing. So the amount of games is basically, that's all it is. Progression in the out of game stuff is, are you able to present... Play your express your best self in as many games as possible, and the percentage of your intensity in a way you could probably measure out a game in a way. I mean, or I mean, again, expressing your best self does not mean you're winning games. So important, that, okay? Yep. 
when I say expressing myself, this is what it means to me. Playing high intensity. Yep. Making proactive decisions, even if you know they're, they're losing me the game. And um, I mean, I guess you could say like, for me, it's like not making really dumb mistakes that I should be making. Okay. I guess that's what I mean. The key thing there is like the intensity. The intensity is yeah, huge part of it. I would say this as well as hundred times being being present. Yeah, being present. Yeah, you're not thinking about the result in the game. You're just thinking about what's, what's my next. Objective? What's what's next? Yeah, and you you ex- you did everything you could, everything that you possibly could. You, you your max mental stack is capped out. That's that's expressing your best. Yeah, self. and you know that. After you know that. You, after after you, know, you play you a know. game, you know, like I fucking played well. Like if I play like this every game, I'm gonna be climbing. Yep, that's what I always say. If you play like this, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna climb. You're gonna be all good. Yeah. You know, um, I found a, a, a actually create this analogy for that sort of thing out of my head randomly um, the other day. Pool, right? The game pool. The game pool. Yep. Um, this guy, he, um, he, he basically, he was making decisions, and this is very common for, for mid laners, might not be as common for you in jungle, but I get these players that... They kind of make these very like they they look like they're good on surface on the surface, like usually they're platinum and they um they'll make decent decisions in isolation. They'll do a good thing here, a good thing here. It might yep. be a good reset or a good trade or a good skirmish. It's like very specific things. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. I got many of those. Yep, yep. And then, but then something randomly they'll do something that makes no sense mm. when I want in in the context of winning the game. So then what I'll say, and I always used to get confused about how to approach this. I'm like, all right, I've got a few analogies, but these are my two now that I use. The first one, in pool, it's not just about that one shot. So you say you got the white ball, you're ready to hit it, and you got the um, you got the number eight, or not number eight, number seven, whatever it is, smalls, whatever, and you're trying to get this ball in. And you're directing all of your attention on hitting this ball into the socket. You line it up, you're ready, you're focused, boom, I'm going to line that one up, boom, get it in. But, oh shit, I didn't think about where the ball's going to be after. Oh fuck, I'm actually snooking. I'm actually snooking myself here. Ah oh, shit, I've got to give two shots now. Now, uh, pool, the best pool players, when you think about it, they're not just thinking about getting that one ball in. Yeah, the thing they're they setting themselves up for the next. Mm. That's what league's all about. League is a series of decisions that isn't... That one play has to be in the context of the the next play or to, where that's going to lead you next and how to kill the nexus and how to kill the nexus so exactly and how to get the black ball in and kill get all these balls in so i can get the black ball in but in league i feel like you only need to really you, like you only need to actively think like kind of one step ahead in a way so it's like okay i'm gonna fix this wave because then i'm gonna reset or i'm gonna take this kill and then i'm gonna do this or i'm gonna shove this wave and then i'm gonna do this you always need to think about the next step. And now what I've noticed with a lot of players in Platinum is that they understand these concepts, the individual concepts, but they don't understand how to apply them together and how this leads to the next play. So they'll do random... And their play's not consistent. Mm. Their play's not consistent. Mm. Okay. I guess you see that? You see, you know what I mean by yeah. the analogy? So that they, they need to put... The, you need to think about how, what the consequences of your actions are going to be off this play. Every decision has a consequence. Okay, so uh, let me try and think of one. 
So something that might look like a good decision on surface, but okay. it's not. A classic one for jungle will help you out in this one. Shot, like going for a gank on one side of the map, where it's like a kill, yeah. but then you're actually exposing you your lose, other side of the you map. Lose or you, you lose, lose something out. on the other side. Yeah, that's a very common that's situation. A, that's very common, right? Yeah. So like that is a, a, on surface a good play because you're getting killed, you're going to get your lane ahead, but then you're losing weight. What's the consequence of it? Yeah, there's always a you consequence. You lose Rift Herald and that gives them an opening to break a tower. Yeah. And you and the, the gank you you ganked bot and still on five. So plates. sometimes doing nothing is the best play. Sometimes That's I right. say that sometimes as well, yeah, right? Correct. Sometimes simply not showing or not, not showing roaming is power, powerful. It's just that's the best play. Hmm. You don't have to do anything. You, you you're going to win this game with the current way it's going. Um, and you know, talking about responses, right? We're talking about responding, and we're talking about the in game, out of game. So out of game. Another reason why how, in, to test your progression out of game. I mean, this kind of, I feel like this kind of goes into like, it's, this is might fall into in-game category. It's like 50-50. Do you ever have these games that you coach, Nathan, where they have to kind of play flawlessly? Like the cards, like they have Absolutely. the control. Yep. Like they've got the resources, they've got a few kills, but like everyone's dying around them. But they they could theoretically like win this game if they played it flawlessly, but it's mm. like very difficult. Mm. Of course, many games. And what I've noticed is not the inability to play it out from that scenario. It's the pent up pressure that like, like, if I make one mistake, we lose this game. And that will distract you from what's the next objective or even like how to be very nervous in a fight where yep. suddenly you start thinking in the fight rather Fuck, than feeling. Fuck, i got to shut down or whatever it is, right? I get that quite a lot in, in my reviews where they they get ahead and then they have two losing sides and then they, they really need to like, in a way, they need to make something happen, but they don't. You can't just force things just because you're no, ahead. No, you can't. That's right. You, you still know? need to wait. Yeah, you still need it's to wait hard. for the opportunity. Now notice it's that's, it's, it's a mindset. That's a right? hard mindset. It's a mindset. Yeah. And that's actually expressing your best self in a way. And and I, I gifts, he actually helped me with an analogy for this one, Nathan, is... You're like a, you, we actually spoke about the crocodile mindset. You're like a crocodile under the water and there's like a riverbank. This is the way I view it. There's a riverbank and this crocodile, he's like waiting for like a, like a, a pri- the, like the rabbit or whatever the fuck gazelle. to get water. Gazelle. Example. Okay, right. To get, to get water. Yeah. And he's just waiting there. But in the meantime, he's not, he's not autopiloting. He's actually not even relaxing. He's poised. He's patient. Sitting there in the water. He's soaking waiting. information. Mm. He's, he's, he's aware of his... Waiting for the time to strike. Waiting for the... Because there's going to be that one window. There's going to be that opportunity that presents itself. And in the meantime, you're still ticking all the boxes. I'm farming well, getting good resets, warding, leaning. I'm ticking all the boxes, waiting for that opportunity to present itself. Now, again, a lot of people, it's not the, it's not the, the in-game concepts. It's not even the micro-execution that they struggle with. It's the ability to stay resolute in that scenario and 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 execute. It's the mentality. So a way to measure progression in a way would be, how do you respond in these sorts of situations? Do you find yourself being able to maintain poise and express your best self in these situations where in the past you would have shit the bed? Another one would be, are you able to maintain poise when you're behind and lose gracefully? Are you able to bounce back after a death? These are all, you know, areas that you could look for to, if you wanted to measure your progression in the outer game in a way. That's, t- that's a big one for me. 
after the death. How do you respond after the death? That's I had to work on a lot about that, especially in the early game. You know, remember I said what we said in the mm. last couple of episodes. If I'm playing an early game jungler and I die, my response would be check out. Yep. And the, what I worked on is like now I'm actually thinking I'm a scaling champ, man. I'm gonna I'm playing for the mid game, right? Late game. So you even though if you're not, you would just I say trick that. myself. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's the biggest thing. That's actually the biggest thing that helped me learn Rek'Sai. Is I switched to thinking I'm a late game champ. And you're, you're, so that your mindset shifted, therefore your behaviors shifted. Yes. Because then I wouldn't force gank to Because anymore. I'm happy. And then, and, but then it's like, I still know what's a good gank and a bad gank, right? So I'm still doing good so ganks. So you're just able to express your best self. Yeah. That's so fascinating. So we need to change the camera yeah, let's change battery. Change the camera. BRB. All right. So going back onto the out of game. So, um, one of the big things that damages people's out of game progression or limits their progression in their out of game elements is, um, wins and losses. We've said this: wins and losses LP. Timofa actually started alt f4ing before the end game screen. He tried this, and but and he found yeah fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating. He found that subconsciously he was tracking his LP, <laughs> like he wasn't seeing it. Got but it. But he could not. He was keeping a mental like checklist in a way of like I've he won roughly. Roughly, knows he knows yeah. kind of where he's at. Yeah. And then what screwed him was when he got to promos. Yeah. What happened? Because I think it says you fail or they oh, fail the promos yeah. or yeah. you you get promoted. Um, but I do find that interesting. I like that. It's kind of creative because in a way it kind of, you hack, it's like a little hack to skip the LP. But that's a fascinating, uh, even though you don't see it subconsciously, it's so important. It's so ingrained that it's, it's, it's subconscious. Like there's, like, I think it's actually, I think there's, you know, how we always say don't focus about the LP. Yeah. There's no going around it. I think the way we need to frame it is like, there's going to be LP gains and losses. Again, how and do you react And that's exciting. It? And it's exciting. It's there. Yeah. And, but again, it's your, it's your response to the LP wins or loss will dictate over time how you, how, what your relationship with the game is like. And actually, when you think about it, Nathan, you know, when we talk a lot about, we're talking about responses or this game, what is the average response? The average solo queue player to nearly any negative situation is solo queue. It's to like rage and blame. Blame, yep. That's the not that's, take, that's not, the stock standard. Not take accountability. That's right. And so every time you do that, it's like a heavier weight on your shoulder. That's why I view it. You're just adding another plate onto the barbell. Yep. I yeah. That's I literally what it's like. In, yeah. Yep. You're just adding another plate, another weight, because it's it's relieving. It's actually super stress free when you when you actually look at the review and see how you contributed to a game. Yeah. It's the most, it's, I call it like medicine. It's the medicine. It is the medicine. Yeah. It's take your pills. Here's your medicine. That's going to sort you out. It's your way out. Rather than you're just holding it on the plates and you're just carrying this huge bag around ready to just blame the next person to add another plate. You know, um, Nathan, do you find that, um, cause we always talk about how diamond to like master T2, D3 mm. to master, it's, it's brutal. Very, it's very what, difficult. In your Soul 2, what makes that, now, you know, tying it back to this whole response thing, and... Um, it's the fact that... What makes it so difficult? It's like the master, the Diamond 1 promos, and then master, and then insta drop back. 
it's because it's like a it's like a pinnacle like like diet like master has got this 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 thing that people think about like you're no longer part of the normal ranks anymore mm. it's the it's like you've climbed like the like uh the top of a mountain and then it's like now you're ready to climb that next top but but then they think that it stops there mm. like you know what i mean it's like no it doesn't you could you're still it's still one big mountain like so they view it as like they've made it to it you know kova mm. made it there apparently he can't go back to diamond because he's a master tier player that's right. the key thing you know um you know um something that i think might be a healthy way of framing this is in league there's many ways to get master from a skill standpoint isn't there one trick in well well let's get more specific you can get there as a jungler playing a lot of different styles right you could have an identity as like a very gank heavy gank oriented nunu zinzao whatever gank oriented style which gives you you're inherently going to improve upon specific elements of the jungle kit you're probably going to have a lot more awareness towards way states. You're, maybe your skirmishing is even a little bit better. Um, you're, you're, you're going to understand laners and how they operate probably a little bit better and how snowball-oriented they are. Alternatively, you're probably not going to be as good in other areas. You're not going to, you're not going to know what to do in an even state as much. Your objective control and warding is probably going to be worse off. Your efficiency and jungle clearing is probably going to be worse off. There's other skills that are probably taking a hit because you're not really... You're not over-indexing in them. So the, 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 the difficult thing is, is that um, people, when they climb to Master Tier, they automatically assume that the, player, that the players that they're versing also have the same skill set that they do. They automatically assume that because like... Because they're the same rank as me. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not really the case whatsoever. Not, no. And and what many what a lot of people forget is that um yeah, you can get to Master Tier many, many different ways. Have different strengths. There's way I've got I've got Steven Ader in the Midland Academy. He's he he peaked at Grand Master recently. I think he's dropped a little bit, but he's still hovering a high master Grand Master in NA. There is people that are better mechanically micro wise than him that are in like Diamond in the Midland Academy. Mm. So I've seen him, some even like high plat mechanically better, but Steve has a much better holistic view of the game. His his role assessment and win con assessment is a, a much better. Um, so on paper, um, he's still higher ranked than these guys, but for a different reason. And what I love about this, if you if you truly if you can truly internalize this, when it comes to you climbing to master tier. There should be, you don't know how your skill set is going to interact with someone else's skill set. You have no idea. So people get intimidated because they're, I guess, scared that they probably assuming that, holy shit, if given this guy's higher than me, therefore he must be better at me at these mm. skills as well. We have no idea. We have no idea. You might, you, you might actually glide through all of these low master D players because your skill set is just, we have no idea. Here's an example. Um, very clear in my head when I, you know, was like an Udia one trick back in season three, season four, right? I was very, very good at minimizing versus early game junglers, right? But the moment I versed a jungler that would just, you know, match my farming and then outscale me, like I'm thinking like red canes and uh, tank junglers like Zach and stuff, I would usually fall crumble. 
but then those players versus the early game drivers, they get they, destroyed. They would get destroyed. They would they, even get but, there. But they, so I literally viewed sometimes like versus certain players um, that they just, their skill sets, they just beat me this game. But it's fine. That's like, fascinating. You know, so uh, that, that's actually the way that I viewed literally. I love that. Um, that certain games, like that guy's just style. He's just, and, and like, you know, we're at the same LP, but he like he will most likely sometimes I beat them but he most likely wins these games but then I always beat the early game junglers that's so fascinating yeah that, that's actually interesting because I find the same there's some like lower elo like D1 master tier mid laners that plays like um there's like a Kassanen player um there's a Kiana player there's a Zoe player and when I'm in those lower MMR and my main when I'm in those lower MMR games, sometimes I struggle more against them because they play in a way that is so uncalculated mm. that it actually catches me off guard. They do things that I wouldn't expect. But when I play versus the other, if I play versus Get Back and I shock or whatever, higher elo players. They're more predictable. Yeah, they're more predictable. I kind of know what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. They will respect when I fake hover. Mm. They will like do, they will, re- they will kind of respect my movements a lot more. Whereas these guys don't. They're just going to go in no matter what because they coin flip in many aspects. And they're there at low master, not because they're poor mechanically, but because their holistic view of the game is so poor and they, they, they will either pop off and solo kill and carry a game or they're just going to die to a thousand ganks. I don't get them so far. So I find that interesting as well. I have, the ex- I have the exact same experience. Just because they're lower elo doesn't necessarily mean like they could be better against me in this game mm. because their skill set ma- matches up very nicely with mine, which is, yeah, super fascinating. Um, but the reason I, I'm bringing this up, Nathan, is that in a way, um, yeah, you're spot on. We overemphasize master and what it's going to mean to get master and the skill set people who get to master. We, we what does kinda, it mean? Yeah. What, does it, what does it mean? But again, at the end of the day, Nathan, I, these, the, you know, you we're talking about the whole D2 to master tier, why it's so difficult. I think a lot of the time, this is where people's process gets absolutely exposed. This is it. This is prime time. Or well, your theory is, is that when people hit master tier, maybe it's time to pack it in. Yeah, I do think a lot for a lot of people, master tier is like they should like just that's their goal and that's great. I think they should just pack it in. But but what I've also noticed, Nathan, is that at least for mid lane, D two is now all the small details in the lane matter a lot. Now, if you, up until this point, if your review process is terrible and you simply haven't been able to, you haven't been doing the 1v1s, you don't actually get granular in the, in the reviews, you won't, you won't make it. You just won't make it because your, your process will just, is, is limiting you. So it's like a test. I'll say some things that I find with my high diamond clients, pretty poor at adaption, um, especially when, you know, things that pretty like chaos and also like I'd say skirmishing and stuff like that. I'd say the interesting thing about, you know how sometimes you say that you find a player is better mechanically Mm -hmm. for the jungle. I find that the mechanics are almost directly proportionate to your rank. That would make sense. Like, like 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 I I don't think I've ever seen like, I've I've never said to someone like, Oh, your mechanics are higher than your, Oh, actually, I mean, I did have this one guy who was a leasing player, Jinxon, but yeah, How do you know? Because you can't get high elo without good skirmishing as a jungler. Think about it. Yeah. There isn't... You're right. There is not, I'm thinking of all the junglers. Are high, none of them... None of them are there because they have better... They're smart and they... They no. all have good skirmishing. You have to... Because you can be the smartest jungler in the world, but... You misplay your gangs You've got to fight these fights. And Nathan, interestingly enough, you know how you said um, they struggle to adapt. What do you say 
to people when so they have a game plan right i'm assuming they have a game plan and the game plan is like play around x person or get to this whatever it is and then something happens or either either something goes wrong and they can't do that game plan or um yeah they just simply can't adapt to the changing situations what do you say to those people out of interest um like how do you how do you deal with that well usually it's like a core fundamental that it's like jungle tracking so it's like they they sometimes like like they know where the jungler is but they won't like expect them to do something that's like sometimes they give too much respect sometimes and like they're really bad at making the games messy i think a little bit but don't you feel like that's a mental stack thing because what well, my theory, I've got Niall recently who he's struggling at like yeah, D1 at the moment. He's really close to Master. And he says that he's struggling with like his his early game plan is taking up so much of his mental stack that he fails to adapt to things that happen. And what I said is that that makes sense. As you're, as you're trying to understand matchups deeper, your mental stack is going to be overwhelmed because your game plan is taking up so much of your mental stack. But over time... If I'm playing Fizz into X Champion, I don't have to think about my my game plan is so ingrained that it's kind of like there. Do you ever have this, Nathan, in your games where your game plan is there, but you're so familiar with the game plan that you know exactly when you should and shouldn't adapt from your game plan? That it's like muscle memory. Like you know things that you know things that are worth going off your game plan for and you know things that aren't yes, going yeah, off your game yeah, plan for. Yeah. And the only way you're able to do that, you know, what's actually happening mentally is that you're actively thinking about in the future what would happen if you were to do that. That is what is actually happening. Well, I mean, I've, it's also, I've done that. So quickly. I've, I've lost games from that, not doing that. So I just sort of just know from experience. Yes, yeah, so you just know what would happen though if you were to do that one thing. Like yeah. you know, you're, you're literally, I think in a split second... You're, you're, you're putting yourself, you think back to that experience of what exactly happened in that scenario. That painful experience is there, but yeah. it's on the shelf somewhere yeah. there. But it's so quick that it doesn't even, it's so quick. Like yeah. it, it takes like a- well, well, those certain situations used to be pretty slow for me, mm. but now they're quicker. Right. And that equals a lot of LB. Right. And this is what's exciting about the game, dude. Like the way I view you, Nathan, is that you have like this, you're like this, um, you're like this, this guy who has like, oh, you haven't seen the, the series like Loki, um, it's a good series on uh, Disney Prime or, or Disney, Disney Plus, Plus whatever. Yeah. And um, there's like a scene where he's like in this giant library and he has to like study like this case and there's like all these like, there's like all these files in this filing system. And you're just like here and, and, and he's like, and he's, you know, he's like studying away and he can just pull a file out. Mm. It's just like there. There's like these bookshelf after book, thousands of bookshelves and you can just like pick this one out. You know exactly where it is when you need it and you just pull that one out. You read the file. Like, okay. This is what I got to do here. But you've just got row after row after row after row of experiences and it's backlogged. It's just like there. Mm. I get carried by that, that library, dude. You just get carried by that library. Yeah. Every single fail gank is in that my brain there. Every single loss of tempo, every single bad skirmish fight. I'm still adding to that one. I got lots lots there to go still. That's something I need to work on a bit more. Bloody hell then. So so for you now, Nathan, in your journey, like given that this you've got this huge library, mm. the what's the excuse now for you not dominating solo queue 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling... Is, is I'm it an out of game or is it in game? Like, uh, what is it? I think I've got my out of game definitely... It went out, out of game, went out of control when I didn't play on my main for a long time because then I was like, it's mm. scary to play in Challenger yeah. again. But now recently, I mean, you know, like I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I, I mean, I, to be honest, we'll see how we go. Let's give you guys an update. We'll mm. see how my journey goes. I'm, I'm currently on 527 LP. Um, we'll see where I am by the end of the season. Um, so tying this one up neatly, out of game. If someone wants to improve their out of game stuff, whether it's their relationship with the game, how they respond to situations, getting tilted, um, all this sort of thing. Um, at the end of the day, it's a sign if you are getting affected by these scenarios, it's a sign that your response to each and every one of these scenarios is, is poor. So progression for you, I would start super granular. If you are struggling to deal with losses, if you are struggling to deal with three blo- zero three blocks, if you are struggling to deal with climbing to a new rank, Let's rewind that. Let's go back in time. How are you responding to that gank? Ask some good questions. How are you responding to that first death? How are you responding to that jungle invade where you get pinged? How are you responding to your teammates typing in chat 24-7 and wanting to give up? What are you going to do? Are you going to mute and focus? Identify what's next? Or are you going to join in on the fun? Are you <laughs> Joining um, on the fun. Um, what's your response? Remembering that there's a tally system happening right now. So if you are out there and you have a shit ton of these things in the negative column, your, your negative responses, it's okay. We're going to have to just add a lot more positive ones on. We're going to make up for it. It's going to take longer than, you know, longer than someone who has like a fresh, fresh little catalog here and they're zero if they're on the side of the journey, but we can make up for it. And in my mind, progression is as putting as many of those... T- tallies in that positive column is possible again and again remembering that positive is not happy chappy it just means being able to do your job to the most optimal degree express your best self and get the most learning requires you being present in the moment asking high quality questions being aware of why you're feeling those emotions and controlling those emotions and replacing it with more healthy responses Taking responsibility for your own improvement. That's a big one. And that's especially a big one, especially us as coaches. I feel like sometimes I babysit people too much and I feel like they're not taking responsibility, like waiting for me to give them the Mm. special answer. Yeah, I can resonate with that as well. And I think that could be people not even just our coaching program. I think it could be people just on YouTube searching like, you know, skill capped and all these things, you know, waiting for looking for that special video. That's not really taking, think for yourself, you know? Use that as tools, as information, sure. But you can't be looking for the... There's no answer in league, man. Yeah, I I think this is why I'm trying to pivot away from giving specific answers anymore. And I try to ask as many questions as possible. I agree. I think I probably have babied a few people. Something to think about. All right, Nathan's mailbag. Let's jump in. Song. 
All right, let's dive straight in here. This is, we were meant to do this one last week, but we uh, delayed it because Curtis had his little rant at what the end. What are you talking about? I'm just kidding. It was a good rant. The rant. Oh, yeah. That's why. End. Remember I said yeah, we should just yeah, end yeah. it like that because last yeah. episode, because it was just too perfect, because right. we had to clarify yeah, that, that, we were, good. that we were hypocrites. I think I had to do that. I agree. All right, so Greavesy. Uh, the title of the email is called Greavy's Letters Letter for Nathan's Mailbag. Uh, in bold, top, using League of Legends to refine your approach to life. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is when BBC is recorded, Mr. Nathan Mott and Mr. Coach Curtis. What an introduction. I think that deserves a prize. I've been meditating daily for long stretches of time for the last nine months, and I've found the practice has gone hand in hand with solo cue. Not only is it useful for training the mind to pay sustained attention to one task, but it also, but it is also incredibly effective at avoiding tilt or playing suboptimally because the game feels lost. The past few months, I've begun to view the thousands of different people we play solo queue with every season as a river. The river is constantly flowing. You cannot alter its course. You cannot stop it from flowing. All you can do is pay attention to the river as it passes. It doesn't matter if something unpleasant comes down the river. Your job is to not fall into the trap of wadding in it and trying to fix it, as you will only make things worse for yourself. When you accept whatever comes your way, not only are you open to make creative choices within those circumstances, you also find that you recover from anything unwanted or unpleasant very quickly. It doesn't matter if people are running it down, spamping, and you're flaming. They will be gone by the next game, and the chances are you'll never even remember it happening. You simply have to reposition your mental on when, when, where the next play needs to happen. This has really helped me retain a results-oriented mindset where I only play to learn, which has not only prevented tilt in games, but has also enabled me to enjoy League much more. The most fascinating thing is that I have started to unintentionally incorporate this into my daily life. When I find myself in situations that used to really tilt me, like having a difficult situation at work or ending up out at a place where I don't want to be, I've recently found myself thinking, it's just solo queue. It reminds me that this moment will pass and be forgotten very quickly. So there's no point getting frustrated about it or even trying to resist it. To clarify, I have not achieved Nirvana. I still feel stress, anger, frustration. It's not like I've found some magical cure to preventing these emotions from rising. But what I have done is a way to allow them to diffuse very quickly after they have arisen. I think if anyone listening to this podcast has thought about meditation before, I would strongly encourage them to pursue it alongside League. Interested to hear your guys' thoughts on this. I don't really meditate anymore. I used to meditate a bit, but... I, I, I don't do it anymore. Um, I think it's really important. Dr. Kate always talks about it. I always skip over those videos, but I, there's something there I need to explore, I think. What do you think about meditation, Gurness? Yeah, I'm like you. I used to do it a lot. I used to do it twice a day. Mm. Um, it was like 15 or 20 minutes in the morning and 15, 20 minutes at night. So why'd you stop, Curtis? Um, it's a good question. I don't know the exact reason. I think, I think something happened like a, an event or something that just put a spanner in the works and I never got back into it, you know? Ruining momentum. Yeah, something ruined my momentum. But at the time, I didn't really get as many benefits as I, if I were to do it now. 
I think so as well. Like I'm back then we had much simpler lives. So mm. I didn't think <laughs> we had as much going on mentally as we do now. But um, yeah, like you, I think it's something I need to explore. But my excuse is just like, oh, time. time. Like, that's just yep. BS. That's BS, yeah. Make time. Make time, yeah. Um, love the river analogy. I think that's Yeah, it's interesting. I'll, I'm stealing that from you, Sammy. It's just a river. It's like very common as well when you think of a river. It's like, it's like the way they view it, it's like people raging. Really? Thing, just like flowing down the river. I view it the other way around. What do you view it? Way, this is why I like view that analogy. River. I view it as like this. It's like, yeah, it's like this crazy, like insanely fast, like a rapids. Yeah. Right. There's rocks and tree trunks. It's all this shit. Everyone's like, and I see like these cartoon images of people just like, like screaming, oh my God, fucking help me, man. And <laughs> yeah. they're like running to a look and like exploding and flying and like getting injured and like people, people drowning. Journeys, like quitting the game, rage quitting. Yeah, there's people like yeah. having this terrible experience going down this yeah. river, right? Yeah. And they're, they're trying to like overtake people in this river and shit and they're like self-sabotaging and like putting themselves in really terrible positions. But then we're like this guy who's taking it real slow, like super conservative, like just making sure that we're just dodging looking, things. Yeah, looking in the future being very intentional with our movements and we're like super focused on our, ourselves. Like if everyone, if anyone cuts in, we're just like, hey, you can, you can go by. It's all good. I guess it's like a, that's why I'm doing it. A anyway. rip. You know, it's like, you don't want to swim into it. You just float out with oh, it. Oh, you let, you let it take you out. Yeah. Then you swim to the side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that what it's called? A rip? A rip. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. In, in a way. And if you struggle in it, you're just going to hurt yourself mm. even more. You're going to just drown and burn energy. Yeah. Um, that's the way, I mean, that's the way I interpreted it anyway. Yeah, I interpret it nice because I just play at my best when I'm just mm. nice, calm river, just playing a game of League of Legends. You know, like I mean, the intensity's there, but you know, just understanding things are just gonna come by and just just relax. Everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> that whole, that, that's yeah. the way that I interpret yeah. it, and that's why I look. That's my yeah. initial reaction. So that's interesting that we have two different ways of, of uh, viewing it there. Um. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, I mean, you can absolutely apply it in real life. I mean, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we've spent all our time in League Curtis and we're pretty much the same in real life, aren't we? In terms of our approach to things and solving oh, yeah. problems in real life as well. Yeah, I mean, if something doesn't work, I can I did it so I contributed to it so I did that's something right. wrong. Yeah. I just got to figure out what that is. Yeah. If it's a skill, I, I'm going to figure out a way to develop it and if it's just unlucky, which it might be, then so be it, move on. Um yeah. It's the exact same process. My mentality, and I think that's the same with gym as well, right? We we kind of just took that mentality we had towards league and just applied it to gym. It's like mm. there's one step at a time. Um, Broke down some fixed mindsets around that. Yeah. Growth mindset. Yeah. And just consistency. Okay, well, consistency is the number one key to success. I love consistency. But yeah, like I think spot on, man. And look, it's something that I, I don't have as much experience with. Bro. Like meditating is not something I have experience with now, so I can't like comment. But um. It's something I'm going to have to give a crack. Right now, probably not, but yeah, we'll give it a go. It sounds awesome, dude. Sounds like he's... You know, this is the type of thing that we say... Uh, you remember, Jim, we said we can't believe we didn't do it. I reckon meditation would be the probably, same thing. Probably, probably. Like, fucking is. Why did you not start that sooner? Yeah. I mean, remember reading Ray Dalio? Remember he said that he thinks meditation yep, is like the biggest thing for him. Yep. Yeah, it's inevitable. It's going to be... I already know it's going to be big. <laughs> but I'm just... Well, right no. now... It's like... It's like well, right it's now, like the excuse I have right now is that like we're in lockdown. Yeah. And I'm just... I'm just in a way just tilted IRL because no gym. So... Yeah. You're not reacting to it. You're nah, my to react. reaction has been very poor. 
Um, yeah, I haven't even. I've got this. You know what I've got right now? Um, that there's no point doing exercise when it's not gym. Yeah, I'm at the exact. I've same got thing. this terrible mindset where it's just like I, I can do this shitty home workout, and or I can like no no figure out a way to do some body weight circuit, and like get active, and then the excuse I have is like. Well, it's not going to make me stronger, so... Mm, that's right. Let's just not do it. I'm going to wait for my program to make me stronger. <laughs> it's just the biggest bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is this the biggest one? Yeah, we're getting with the hypocrites. <laughs> I keep saying that, Curtis. You know? All right. So, <laughs> next um, question here is, hey, I think I have a mental problem. <laughs> we can already say where this is going. Oh. This is from hey. Sidious. Hey. Uh, I just recently found your podcast and I love it. Thanks for the uploads. I'm an ADC main, have been playing it for years. I peaked Masters this season playing solo queue and have been spamming games like crazy. He's from AUS. This is my account. I feel like when I have a win streak, I play so good. But when I lose even one game, I play, play like the worst player ever and I just give up really quick. Stop thinking about the game and just want to go next. I play three champions, mainly Ezreal, Jin, and Vayne. My biggest goal in life right now is to get Grandmaster, but I have no faith in myself at all because I've been stuck in D1 and just scratch Masters. I lose confidence quickly and just play bad sometimes. This is kind of a cry of help uh, because I don't know how to fix that and improve a Grandmaster. Great. So, classic, the classic high diamond to Master tier dilemma. So... I guarantee you it's one of the following. Could be potentially the same as Kova, where he reviews his he reviews his losses, but then when he wins, he's like, oh, you know, I'm just the best player in the world. I don't need to do that. Or he pretends he's process-oriented, but looks at the LP, and that's all he really cares about. Um, the other one I guarantee you that he doesn't do is when he does look at his mistakes, he's not getting granular enough about what the mistake is exactly. So either... He like makes a mistake and then will find a, a scapegoat. Like, oh, that wasn't characteristic. That wasn't that wasn't the mistake I would usually make. Or, oh, that's his fault because my support went in. Like, blah 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 blah. He won't take absolute responsibility for the mistake. And if you don't take full responsibility for this mistake and make it a painful experience, make it a painful experience, you're not going to improve. Or, um, he makes one mistake. And he overemphasizes that, has a poor relationship with, with mistakes, that was me. which influences your confidence throughout the entirety game. Yep. You don't really give full intensity. And then, you, then your excuse for each one of those mistakes after that, that point is, you know, I'm, I, wasn't, I wasn't trying anyway. I was tilted. I was checked out. There's no point. Or the most common one, I believe, is not getting, not like comparing your game, your gameplay to someone that is better than you. So like, that is it. So so so, with everyone in Diamond Two, Diamond One, I always say, you're going to play this game out with your lane. You're going to have a hypothesis about how you play this lane out, and then you're going to go on YouTube and you're going to type in the exact matchup, and then you're going to compare it. So if I was an Ezreal, if I was an eighty carry main, I would literally find the exact same, very similar, or even just watch the best eighty carries in the world play that champion, compare it. This is what mine looks like. This is what I'm doing. Get granular. Why are they doing everything that they're doing? There has to be a reason. Their behavior is different for a reason. They're at a higher rank for a reason. You're not playing devil's advocate with your gameplay. You're not comparing enough. Um, and there's details that you're not looking at. 
and it's painful. You got you might have to you might think you're the, you're really good mechanically, but then you just there's not. You're missing skill shots. Your lane positioning is terrible. Your team fight positioning is terrible. Your whatever your resets not good. Because this is the thing, Nathan, is that it's very difficult to look for missed opportunities mentally. Not because he can't. It is. It's very difficult. But mentally, yeah. to say to yourself, look, I played this game well. Ah, missed opportunities. That's a huge it's one. It's a huge one. That's all right. That's why I was trying to figure out. Yeah, no, D1, diamond, to, it's missed opportunities. It's missed opportunities. Yeah, that's the big one. Because you can do one thing and get yeah. 60% value from yeah. a play. Yeah. But the difference between getting 60% value and 90% or 100% value from a play is game changing. Mm. That's it. So that's pro- likely what I what I would say. Is something going wrong there? I mean, he says he spams games, so, and that's a problem. So problem. you know, you, I bet you like this is what his mindset is. There's no way he plays three blocks. He, no, no, he way. says he doesn't. So he's in his mind. He thinks the journey to Grandmaster is get Master Tier, gain a hundred LP in like a couple of days. Going from this, especially with some mental blocks here, and obviously you know some maybe gaps in missing opportunities, some knowledge, or some you know maybe intensity issues. It's going to be so difficult. You're going to be thinking, like, getting from Master to EUS. How much is Grandmaster in the US? Probably, like uh, probably four, four. I thought it was like 400. Four, there you go. 500, yeah. Man, this is very difficult. I think you need, a, you need to be realistic in your mind how that journey looks. Process orientated. Brutal. Going up and down constantly. You know, you know what, man? Like, I think... I think one of the biggest reasons people, especially D1 players, um, if you were to, if I were to sim- like simplify it, their problems at a more overarching level, they're either low confidence yep. and they genuinely believe the gap is so large that they can't they're just do, inferior. Even try, yeah. they're, they're just na- not to natural talented. They don't, they can't do it. Mm. Or they're on the other extreme. They think they're the, you know, God's greatest gift. They think they deserve to be a certain rank. And that that expectation is eating them alive, mm. and for whatever this is affecting their confidence, their inability to express their best self, and they're or they're just straight up delusional, and they're not actually able to get into the details because they think they're the best fucking player in the world. They 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 fall into two categories. I see a lot that are low confidence because they just genuinely don't believe in their ability, yep. and the others that are delusional about their ability. Mm. You gotta have the tough conversation with yourself. Because this is going to be evident in other areas of your life, I basically guarantee you. So you got to reflect, man. Which one do you fall in, into? It's one or the other. You're at your rank because you're a D one eighty carry. Whether it's the behavior that you're expressing is D one level, whether that's because of your inability to express your best self, or it's because you're your actual level of play and you need it. It's it's either your out of game stuff or it's your in game. Something there. I mean, it could be both, it, and it, it likely is both. They're tied together. So I think that he hasn't had a tr- he hasn't had an, a, a tough conversation with himself. No. Break down your psychology, man. The hard. The, the most important conversation you have is the one you have with yourself. Next question here is from <clears throat> Z. Title of this email is to expand champool or not. I just want to start by saying thank you very much for making the Broken by Concept podcast as without you, I don't know if I would have the results I have now. I went from being hard stuck plat four, hate the word hard stuck so much, to diamond three. Did I say I was hard stuck diamond? I think I did. <laughs> but why did I say that? I hate it, but I'll say it. Okay. 
fucking hypocrite over here. <laughs> I went from being hard suck platinum. The hypocrite podcast. To Diamond 3 in one season. Through blocks of three, reviewing and small champ pool and all other broken by concept mantra. I really want to thank you for that. I generally think two, you two are the most positive impact League of Legends have ever seen and more than qualified to lead a Western team into Worlds. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Um, we're all, most, maybe most impact, positive impact, but also the biggest hypocrites. <laughs> my question today was about expanding my champ pool. I am a mid and top main with two champions for each role, Fizz, Diana, and Jax Malphite. As I would like to reach Masters, what uh, would that mean that my champ pool is too small? I've tried playing Kiana, but she's really hard, and I'm starting my champ mastery process with her, but I feel like that would take me a few hundred games. Should I slow down my main climb to learn new champions, or should I go all in on my main and try to hit Master with my already small champ pool? All right. Tricky one. So there's many directions you can go in. Okay, how do I simplify this? So, when improving, when climbing, you gotta you gotta ask yourself what's important to you. It's uh, okay. I had someone give me an analogy for this. Um, basically, the analogy was okay. Let's just say you you wanted to learn how to cook this recipe. And say you saw like a cooking show and um, there's many differing ways of applying the learning. You can do it through just straight up doing and just having a crack. Um, actually, no, let's go, let's go even further back. Let's say I want to learn how to cook spaghetti bolognese. I can like read something. I could watch something or I could just do by myself and kind of figure it out. Now, some people enjoy the process of doing and actually learning. They enjoy literally just having a crack and like playing around with things and like just fiddling. And they know it's going to take longer, but they enjoy that process. Other people, they don't want to fuck around. They just want to cook the, the goddamn spaghetti. You know, they want to... They want, they, just give me the best recipe. Here we go. And I'm just going to copy it. Just, yeah. you know, bang, bang. I'm going to watch this video. I'm literally going to watch how they do it. I'm literally going to copy step by step every movement so I know what I can get, right? What the hell? Um, so basically... Um, Shit, the card's full. Oh, God damn it, Nathan. Right, okay. This will just be black screen. We plan to Um So what I'm getting at here is that Yes, you can climb with Diana and Fizz all the way to Master Tier. It won't be easy. But if that's really important to you, if that's something that you want to do for fun and that's your challenge set by yourself, you want to push your limits of what's possible with Fizz, because I could probably do that with Fizz, right? It's possible. Um, you know, that's something you've got to ask yourself. You've got to have that, 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 ask yourself that question. Would it be easier and would you be a better overall player? And would it, your climb be even easier post master tier if you would add an AD champion into your pool? Yeah, it probably would. Probably great to have an AD champion in your pool. Um, is it going to slow down your climb temporarily? Yes. Is it going to be quite painful? Yes. And um, will that mean that you might not even get master tier this season? Yeah, maybe. Again, it depends what your timeline is. Depends what your goal is. Um so, for example, you could theoretically add in an incredibly easy to execute AD mid that will get the job done at least for now, 
but it probably won't last long in a gem pool. For example, Pantheon mid or something, right? Or even like a, uh, you could even temporarily add in like a, something super simple, like, I don't know, like a, you can even Lucian mid, even because I'm not recommending it because it's getting nerfed, but you could do it. And that might give you the best result in the shortest period of time, but because Lucian's going to get nerfed, or you don't really like Pantheon, and you don't really think it's going to set you with the skill set needed to climb to Grandmaster anyway, you might say, you know what, screw it, I really like Kiana, I actually want to spend the time um, and forego Master Tier this season, just so I can put myself in a better position next season. These are questions you've got to ask yourself. So, there's a lot of avenues you can go down. So, that's eventually up to you, man. Um, what I would recommend is taking the time to properly expand your pool to a third AD mid-assassin, like a Kiana, um, like a Zed, like a Yone. I would pick one of them and then all in on it. Now, the way I would do this specifically is I would have one block on your main with your main two champions, one game, and then a block of three on your second account with this champion. Because you don't want to all in only on that champion because you're going to lose too much confidence otherwise. So you're going to mix it up. You're going to do a block on your main with the main champs. So you maintain your level of play, hover around the same rank, maybe slightly climb, but chill D3, D2. And then you're going to play on your second account with Yone or, or Kiana or whatever till 30 games and then start to play that on your main. Look, you might still get to master. I doubt it with this long left. That's a big climb. D, mm. D3 to master. It's a big climb. And I'm actually making a Kiana guide. Um, it'll probably be out in a few weeks from now. So Speed give up time. your process, Z. Yeah. He also said at the end, P.S. If Curtis has any rec- champion recommendation with a diver playstyle for mid lane, would be appreciated. Um, diver. Yeah, I think Kiana's good. Zed and Yone. Those three would be great. Any of those three would be great. All right, well, Curtis, you're always better answering shampoo questions than I am. So, yeah, you don't you don't get that question often, do you? Or you just don't answer it? <laughs> yeah, I just. I think shampoo and mid is a lot more important than shampoo and jungle. Maybe because yeah. you don't interact with anyone in a way. That's true. Well, you do, but like it's not as not as obvious in mm. mid. Like you're literally versing them from level one. It's like lane matchups, really yeah. important stuff. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, yeah, unfortunately, our camera died and all that, but uh, you wrap it up here. We're going to wrap it up here, yeah. Okay, well, it's anticlimactic. I think this is a really long episode, Gerd. I think was it? Really, oh, that's why okay. the card's full. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, tuning in. We'll see you next Bye-bye. time.